Well, you know, Teddy Long, at the next Nerd of You Network family gathering, there's going to be the carrots and the mashed potatoes, but there's going to be another vegetable sitting at the table, too, because it'll have some color on them. Bang, bang! Get some color. What's up, everybody? And uh, I, 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 my favorite part of the show now is Zach doing these promos. I got to come up with my own promos now. And I was actually, th- I was actually thinking uh, as I was grabbing beer and going to the bathroom, I'm like, I think Cactus Jack might make an, an intro today, and Zach read my mind. So yep, this- that was it. That was the promo. <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode, I believe, sixteen of getting some color. So uh, what we're doing today. Is WCW Saturday night, um, January 2nd and January 9th of 1993. Uh, Zach, do you want to say like what we're doing as far as trying to catch up? Uh, yeah, we kind of like, uh, at first we had like the vague idea. It's like, oh, let's, let's watch old wrestling and let's, we picked like January 93 because that's when Raw started. Um, and, we were just kind of figuring out if we like, you know, doing this or not. And we did. So it's like, okay, let's continue. And we'll compare the different companies running in the same month or whatever. And, uh, I realized after we started that the WCW Saturday night shows, uh, were predating when raw started by a couple weeks. Cause that show had been running for a longer time at this point. Yeah. I actually looked that up and, um, yeah, they started in 91. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the 91 episodes on the WWE Network yet. And I, uh, I was going to say something about that if we keep doing this like consistently, which is uh, if stuff's just not on the network, uh, we can try to track it down, uh, you know, independently maybe. I do have a YouTube channel, which I did watch. Uh, he uploads all like wrestling that was on TV. I don't know. Oh, how- wow. I don't know how he gets away with it, so it might he might the the copyright people might catch up to him, but uh, he has literally every WCW Saturday Night Live, uh, not Night Live, uh, Saturday Night uh, show is on there pretty much. Great, awesome. Um, but yeah, we are. Uh, I've kind of blocked out the schedule for the rest of January, and um, since we're still doing a little bit of catch up. There were more WCW shows we got to do until we're right back where we were at the end of Raw, mm-hmm. the, the last Raw we watched, which is January 18th. So what we're going to watch next is going to be WCW Clash of Champions, which is January 13th. And that was like a, a TBS special that's it's basically almost like a pay-per-view mm-hmm. in terms of quality. The and Thunder gonna, Cage. There's going to be a Thunder Cage and an arm wrestling match and all kinds of shit. Um, and then after that is another episode of WCW Saturday night. And once we do that, we'll be caught up. And the next things we watch after that will be another episode of WCW Saturday night. And then the Royal rumble for 1993. Sweet. Yeah. All right. So I guess before we get into some WCW Saturday night, I guess we got some news to talk about. So... I guess I'll go first. Uh, this is kind of like a a short news, but apparently three wrestlers were removed from AEW roster. 
looks like Jimmy Havoc, who was under suspension due to allegations that came out during the hashtag speaking out movement, aka hashtag me too. Uh, and then you got Bia Priestley has also been removed because of travel restrictions because of the coronavirus. And Sadie Gibbs, who uh, on Twitter, somebody asked her, have you been released? And she said, afraid so due to circumstances, whatever that means. <laughs> Probably another Me Too thing that um, she's being real vague about because uh, probably trying to get more jobs and I don't know. Politics, that's all. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? The only thing I got to say about this is that um, the only thing I'm worried about is Bea Priestley. They should sign her because they need more women in the fucking uh, roster, period. Good ones. Yeah, Bea Priestley is a good wrestler from what I've seen of her. Um, I am not going to miss Jimmy Havoc. I thought he was terrible. I hated him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's more apparent that AEW hires their friends. It's so apparent. Like, you can see it. Oh, you mean all friends wrestling? Yeah. (laughs) But, Matt uh, Cardona! Who the fuck is Matt Cardona? Oh, he's Cody's friend. mm -hmm. (laughs) If anybody doesn't know, that's Zack Ryder from WWE. Yeah. Um, good for him, though. I mean, I... I was, a, I mean, I'm still kind of a fan of Zack Ryder. People say he's not that great, but he probably has one of the best missile drop kicks in the business. I will say that. I'm so. trying to think of everybody that's ever done a missile drop kick so, I, like, I can rank him. And, hmm. like, off the top of my head right now, I'm like, um, his is pretty good. Edge used to do a pretty damn good missile drop kick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying. Did Vader do one? No, no. But the Big Show used to do a missile drop kick in his yeah. younger days. Yeah, he was the giant. Four hundred pound fuck is jumping off the turnbuckle <laughs> doing a missile drop kick. That should be his finisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but off the top of my head, now, yeah, I guess we'll say yeah. Zack Ryder's probably got the best missile drop. But you know what? Now. His move set is so predictable because of Zack Ryder. Because, you know, he has to do the fame master. He has to do the, you know, boot to the corner thing when he does that woo-woo-woo thing. Um, Is he he still doing all the same moves? He's not really changed it up? um, There's some things that have changed a little bit. And, dude, he's fucking jacked. He's been... uh, uh, Him playing with little little action figures (laughs) backstage, he's still pretty fit for that. So I I guess I uh, commend him for keeping in shape. And that or he doesn't have to do wellness tests anymore. Yeah, that too. Mm. <laughs> um, I guess the only thing I'll say about AEW, and, and I guess it'll be a great segue when we get into your story about uh, Brandy and all that stuff and her little paywall. Um, but AEW's roster is getting interesting. Um, if you if you're still not a fan of the show based off of what you know, they're a spot fest uh, and a, a weird storyline thing. But you know, you have the revival. Um, you have looks like Arn Anderson and Tully are starting to get into a little feud. By the way, I don't know if you've seen 
the little promo that they had with the uh the Rock and Roll Express was there with fucking Tully and Arn and oh, shit. the Revival and the Young Bucks where they were just like having a little promo where you know who's the best in the world Arn Anderson said that the Revival are the best in the world um Tully <laughs> turned around and says you guys are not the best because you don't have the championships so you're not the best <laughs> And then uh, we call it the Rock and Roll Express, and Arn Anderson and Tully got into a fight, pretty much, because Ricky oh. Morton uh, slapped Tully in the face. Damn, they better be careful; they'll steal the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it, it's the storylines are getting, uh, and I know a lot of people hate Orange Cassidy, um, but. I got to commend Jericho for taking uh, that gimmick and I guess running with it being like, this is this gimmick is stupid. You're, you're killing, you know, the wrestling business. And the only thing I got to say is last uh, dynamite is wow. That their match that orange Cassidy beat Jericho, by the way, Um, it ended so ugly. Like he did like a Russian leg sweep, but then rolled him awkwardly into a pin and won. What? Yeah. Damn, he beat him with a Russian leg sweep and a pin combination. Yeah. So, anyway. That's a bold move for AEW. But speaking of roster, what about that women's roster, Zach? Oh, yeah. Well, um, apparently, uh, Brandy Rhodes, uh, chief brand officer... Of AEW thought that um, the women fans and uh, I suppose even the women wrestlers of AEW needed a safe space to get together because being a female fan or a woman in wrestling is hard um, and uncomfortable. So she set up this thing called AEW Heels, which was like a community site or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there may or may not have been something involving cameo calls. Uh, I couldn't really find any confirmation about that. Why? Why did she think that's like cool to have? By the way, you didn't even get up to the good part. How much is that paywall? Well, apparently, it was behind a fifty dollar a month paywall. Fuck <laughs> off. To be, like, part of a, a glorified fucking forum, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that uh, makes no sense to me. Like, cameo. I really want a fucking cameo of Brandy. What was she done with her life? I mean... Besides she, look sexy. That's about it. <laughs> she's done some things. Apparently, she's got some, some education to her. And now she's in this wrestling company being an executive and uh, is kind of like not really suited for it in my opinion. Cause as far as I can tell, she has done nothing. And this was just another move to try to sort of justify her position in the company. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like she wants to be Stephanie McMahon, but she's not succeeding. Uh, and, and, um, and what did she, what did she mean that the women's fans and roster are not safe? I mean, does she not watch WWE fucking programming? 
I don't. She might be basing that off of how she gets treated on Twitter or like when, you know, uh, allegedly she's seen things like uh, some female fan on Twitter maybe had an opinion. Some dude's like, "Who you're? You're a woman. Who cares?" I'm like, I really don't fucking have ever seen anybody do that. Like, like I'm not saying that's never happened. It probably has, but I mean, I don't think people nowadays really hold it against them like if there's like a a girl in the audience i don't think they're gonna like give them a hard time or anything so even in the attitude era even when wwe was sexist with their with their programming like there was still women in the crowd going "Woo, woo this is great and like enjoyed i guess trish stratus big titties and lita thong pants and all that stuff like look they were there to see the rock okay and steve austin (laughs) dx probably (laughs) um Um, but this yeah this is just another bizarre move out of her and just stuff related to AEW. that reminded me of like that weird faux pas they had when um they're like, here's our first line of action figures, and Brandy Rhodes is one of the action figures, and she's like dressed in wrestling gear, and it's like, you don't wrestle. Why is it you? Well, <laughs> apparently she wrestles in dark with uh, not Allie the Cat anymore, or Allie the Bunny. She's just Allie, and they're called the Nightmare. Why is it always, they always have to like copy Cody Rhodes stuff, by the way? It's the Nightmare family. They're, they're part of the Nightmare family, brother, mm-hmm. I guess. Alley Cat's a good name, by the way. They should, she should call herself Alley Cat. I think eventually they're going to, like, Alley's going to turn or whatever because they're doing this, like, thing where Dustin Rhodes hates Alley because of uh, QT Mar whatever his fucking name is. QT Marshall. Yeah, that, like, <laughs> she's uh, bad for him and all that stuff. So I'm guaranteeing like that's gonna stem off or something like that. I don't know, but Brandy needs to stop this. Um, she's bringing and there has to be a point where Tony Khan's like, dude, I get it because he's like a big SJW person and all that stuff. Like he's probably like, this is not gonna make us money. You're gonna waste a lot of resources just for your political agenda. So. Can we just do wrestling? Apparently, she's they're still going through with it. She's working on it this week. Oh, well. well <laughs> she'll have, like, those rich... There's rich people that will buy it and make it look like it's successful when it's not. It'll be a bunch of neckbeard loser male fans with a lot of expendable income that'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of simps will do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. By the way, real short segue, since we're still on top of AEW, um, the U, the, I, I call it the U.S. title. It's from all the WCW should have been watching. Um, the, the AEW TNT Championship is complete. It's no longer just a detailless like silver belt with the red strap. Um, by, by the way, I hate the red strap. I think they should make it white. Uh, I don't mind it. Because, I get it because the TNT logo has the red outline. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, I think it looks fine, you know? It looks good. Yeah. Um, if you want to see it, 
you could just type in the AEW TNT Championship in Google and it'll take you to the Wikipedia page where the official picture is. When do you think um, Cody's going to lose? I don't know. I'm starting to think that he might be hanging on to this for a long time. Like a year? So he could be the longest reigning TV champion? I'm going to call it TV champion because that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's possible, especially because it seems like Cody has this weird thing about his feuds where it's like he, he they did the thing with Jericho and he fucking lost, so he can't ever have a world title opportunity again for now. You know that's probably going to get reversed at some point. Oh, yeah, um, because you, you know they're building up to the part where Cody is going to Win it big. I bet you it's going to involve with some uh, having a tournament. It, maybe they'll have like a Royal Rumble thing and he wins it or something. That's, the only, that's the only way I could see it. This, uh, like, my my theory on that is it'll take at least a year for them to do that. I, that seems kind of far-fetched for them because uh, it seems like a lot of their stories don't run real long ever, but that's a lot of people in modern wrestling now. Um, but hey, if they do it, props to them. Uh, they might hold out even longer until crowds can come back. Cause that's what I would do. Cause that would be a big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, sh- they should sit on that even longer. Uh, and I guess Cody can build the prestige of the, the TV TNT championship thing. And he's, he's pulling the John Cena invitational deal, basically in my opinion right now. What do you think uh, about the Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara thing? Did you see him get some color, by the way? Uh, yeah, I saw it, and it looked allegedly. From what I understand, they had a specific chair out there for him to grab. Mm -hmm. I guess it might have been gimmicked or something. I don't know. I couldn't really find anything about that, but I don't know why they would set a specific chair out there for any other reason. Um. Uh, apparently Sammy couldn't find it and he just picked up another chair and it was a lot heavier and he hit, he fucking swung really hard and recklessly. Yeah, dude. And, like it was, I saw it live by the way. And you would think like take a chair and like hit him with it. No, Sam, Sammy Guevara took the chair, un, unfolded it so that it's like propped up and stuff. And he just chucks it at Matt Hardy's face. Pretty much. God damn. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, but that was apparently he, pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. He's running with it, by the way. Um, he made a YouTube video out of it. Uh, it kind of seems like the Matt Hardy version two, in my opinion. Hey, it's cool. You know, honestly, I, I kind of think his woke broke Matt thing was, was sort of played out. I think him being in WWE kind of killed this momentum. I think he yeah, needs. I, th- I, I think he I needs think a crowd. Just, yeah, that it, it's be- It would be better with a crowd. Just the circumstances right now don't really allow for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, I wasn't really a fan of all this crazy teleportation, changing characters, and the ice machine shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, it when that happens in the weirdo skits by themselves, I kind of I don't mind that. But like in the middle of matches and shit, that's weird. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I got that's all the AEW I got. What I guess about you. Uh, I have no more about AEW, but I guess I'll go into a little WWE news. Um, oh boy. So Alexa Bliss 
Storyline looks like that she is going to be the sister Abigail. That is about five years late. <laughs> like, yeah, when the Wyatt family's all broke up, it has been broke up for a long time, and they didn't really ever hit their their peak, in my opinion. They didn't really get a chance to. Um, and they they brought it back. They've dredged this up for the, the feud that that's going on now mm-hmm. did you see the weird the horror show the extreme rules horror show shit uh, what when Rey Mysterio lost an eye <laughs> that's fucking dumb <laughs> like, an eye for an eye match I just like how they did that st- that stipulation and then like Seth did what he wanted to do and was dis- he vomited yeah I was just like that's what you wanted to do what the fuck? And and what's funny is like he puked and then he won and then like the the next couple of nights he was trying to do the same thing to like other people and I'm just so like now, so now he loves it he's hooked on causing people's eyeballs to pop out he's hooked on ocular assault what do, what do you think <laughs> what do you think about Dominic by the way I saw he got his ass whipped <laughs> and then. I saw the aftermath of it, and I was like, fuck, that's, like, probably some of the worst, uh, you know, post-Singapore cane picture. That's probably one of the worst ones I've seen in a while. Yeah, dude, like, fuck. He, he fucked him up. But I guess, like, uh, Dominic is going to be going into his father's footsteps, kind of. Um, He's going yeah. to he's gonna wrestle. Do you think he's ever going to put on a mask, or... He's gonna just gonna be Dominic. Dominic. I think he'll just be Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> you know, I guess like because everybody's already seen him without a mask and shit, so like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I brought that up not because to talk about that, but because of the swamp fight, which sounded fucking stupid. Just saying, it sounds stupid. <laughs> I can't watch WWE. Like the only thing that like makes me tune in is Randy Orton and Ric Flair. That's about it. Randall is causing people to tune in and tune out, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I like what Randy's doing lately, though. I love how he's just, like, messing around with indie people. He's like, good, you fucking guys that slap your leg when you do the kick and shit. Make sure, I'll make sure to pay close attention during leg slapping class. <laughs> Damn, dude. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I don't really have any WWE news myself. I mean, uh, Kamala passed away recently. Uh, oh, yeah. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, suppose, like, there was a rumor going around it was from COVID or something. Uh, but who knows really if that's what it was or not. All I know is, is Kamal has been in poor health for almost 20 years. Yeah. Diabetes. He had really bad diabetes. He, he lost both his legs and he had high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So you tell me, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, uh, he probably was one of the better gimmick performers, like in terms of going all in on his gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, not mechanically a good wrestler, but uh, I don't know. He's more interesting to learn about, I think. And like in some of the skits and shit that he did. 
He's a good worker. Uh, he, t- <laughs> like you said, like we said in the beginning of the call, like Jerry Lawler, Lawler took somebody that can't work well as a wrestler and made him a good entertainment to watch as a wrestler. Yeah, like basically the whole idea behind that it was like it was Jerry Lawler and uh, Bill Dundee may or may not had some uh, input on this when they were working Memphis territory and. They made him Kamala, the Ugandan giant, and in the first match under this gimmick, he beat Jerry Lawler, which was like a huge deal in Memphis. And after that, Kamala beat everybody else on the roster, and then Jerry Lawler finally got his rematch against Kamala, and then he beat Kamala. And then he went away and went somewhere else because you could do that back in those days, and it kind of sucks that you can't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, oh, you know, like, man, he beat everybody and he's done. Like, I'm kind of tired of seeing that guy and then he fucks off somewhere. He goes to Canada or something. Then we get somebody else to take his place. (laughs) I miss that aspect of wrestling after hearing about it. Like, it sounds like it was really cool, you know? Um, I guess this is a good good segue, but, like, I miss wrestling without the internet. If that makes any sense, like oh, I do, yeah. Because the internet and what the nineties, we did have internet, but it wasn't as bad as it is today. Like they had dirt sheets, but like if you kept away from that, uh, you didn't hear about it, and that's what that's what like that's what I love about the Attitude Era. A lot of people give shit about the Attitude Era, saying like it's the um, it's not as good as the other eras out there, and I'm just like. Yeah, but every episode, I wondered what Steve Austin was going to do. I wondered what The Rock was going to do. I wondered what the corporation was going to do next episode. Today, you know what's going to happen before the fucking episode even happens. And it's very generic. So, like, it would be like, oh, Brock Lesnar's coming back and he's going to fight big man. And how they're going to feud is... At the end of the Raw, the whole roster is going to come out, and they're going to pull each other and fight and all that stuff, and it's going to be boring. Antifa is going to show up and beat up Corey Graves. Oh, God. That's, that, fucking, <laughs> that gimmick is so stupid. <laughs> I bet you Vince... It, by the way, I'm going to uh, pitch my Vince McMahon idea live on here. Okay. Uh, so I think Vince McMahon should run with this Antifa thing. Uh, where they go to his mansion and they like try to trash his mansion up and he comes out with an AR-15. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Get the hell off my property now! <laughs> Come on, I can see it happening. <laughs> and if Linda McMahon wasn't running for it or like, I think she's still working for Trump as like whatever she's doing. Like I would have her come out with a tiny pistol just like that other uh, people did. <laughs> oh my God, that would be that sounds like something they would have done 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, like every time Vince McMahon watches something on TV, it always shows up on fucking his, uh, his show because I guarantee you he's like, you know, people talking about Antifa, let's put Antifa on the fucking, fucking wrestling. Yeah. So I get, I guarantee you that's what he did. Um, <laughs> I kind of find it funny because, uh, we started the show a little. We usually start around like nine forty-five, but uh, Zach's like, "Can we do ten 
So I decided to turn on <laughs> fucking SummerSlam 94 with The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. <laughs> and, like, Paul Bearer comes out and, like, brings the urn. And <laughs> there's a flashlight inside the urn. And he's like, the mystical guy's like, what's happening? Oh, God. <laughs> the fucking urn is going all over the place. Like, the, he's shining the light into people's eyes and stuff. And there's smoke coming out. And I'm like, I guarantee you Vince McMahon watched like a horror film and like saw this and he's like, we got to make this happen with The Undertaker. Yeah, maybe. It's just funny. Um, (laughs) Back to the Attitude Error. Like what I really liked about the Attitude Error is they took everything that Hulk Hogan preached about doing your prayers and eating your vitamins and said, fuck that shit. Let's suck it or fuck you and all that stuff. Or drink beer instead of milk. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. Let's suck it. Whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... By the way, I, I got in trouble when I went to uh, with school and I told my teacher to suck it. I did the chop yes, and, yeah. <laughs> and I got in trouble for that. A few people got in trouble for that. Man, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, we need, we don't need a replica of the Attitude Era because you can't do this in this uh, SJW world that we have right now. But I think they need to be a little more edgier. Yeah, and there's been little hints of that here and there that they're trying to do that. You could argue Raw Underground might kind of be that. A little bit, like it's an attempt. Um, <laughs> their attempts are misguided, in my opinion. Every time they try, and then like it's also anybody that says, "Oh man, we just need attitude error two point like well, that's not gonna happen again. That's like, that's like one of those you know one and done things. It's it, you can't replicate it. it. It'll never be that way again. The only talent's not like how it was. It's just not gonna happen. The only thing I could see happening because remember, Vince didn't want to do this. He didn't want the Attitude Era. He had a change because WCW was a little more edgier uh, with Eric Bischoff and Nitro. Like they were beat, they were beating his ass, and he just got back into a corner. So. Yeah, so he's like, "I'm gonna show a lot of titties and fucking beer and shit, and we're gonna show more color than ever." And that's what <laughs> happened, and people fucking loved it. I the only thing I could think of Vince doing something like this. And I'm not going to say AEW might, like, AEW is trying to defeat NXT. Um, That's their main thing. But if somehow AEW blows up what WCW used to do back then and nobody's watching WWE, I mean, nobody shows up to WWE, like, it becomes TNA impact kind of thing. That's the only time I think that WWE would be like, we're going to show more titties. We're gonna fucking, we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna curse a little bit more than usual. That's the only time. Yeah, probably. Um, I think that uh, you know the, the internet is a little bit to blame for taking the the, the luster out of wrestling. Some, mm-hmm. um, some of it falls on the creative too, though. Like, at least if you're talking about, like, specifically WWE, mm-hmm. they used to be more creative. They used to be better at that process. Now, because of the internet, 
we've learned that a lot of the times the sh- the Raw shows and the SmackDown shows are like fucking last minute approved. Like they they've been rewriting the show all day, and and they sometimes they're still rewriting the show while it's going on. Mm-hmm. They're not planning ahead. Vince used to plan everything fucking ahead. That's there's that story. Oh, Kevin Nash was talking about like uh, it's one of my favorite old Vince stories. He just went to his apparently back in the day when you went to talk business with Vince or something, or you were part of booking. There wasn't a goddamn writing team or booking committee or any of these bullshit. It was Vince. It was Pat Patterson. It was uh, Jim Cornette. It was just a couple, a few, very few select handful of guys, Vince. And they'd just hang out at his house in Connecticut. In a pool, right? By the pool? Near, by the pool or like in his dining room and just write TV and shit. And Nash was like, oh, like Vince was telling him what he's going to do. And he's like, oh, let me check, pal. And he pulls out a notebook. (laughs) And he has everything planned ahead from when that was May all the way to like, he slips ahead. It's like at SummerSlam, you're beating, uh, uh, you're beating Shawn Michaels, pal. Like that's that's three four months from now. He doesn't fucking plan like that anymore. I think that WWE's become way too corporate, and I think yeah. and I think Vince does have plans uh, that could possibly make the ratings a little bit better. But I guarantee you, like Stephanie and possibly Shane, breathing down his neck and going, "We can't do this because you know." For example, this political agenda is going to, you know, tear us on Twitter and Facebook. And I guarantee you, it's like, fuck that shit. I don't, I don't do Twitter. <laughs> like somebody else does his Twitter. I, I don't I don't know about that because Shane's just a performer. He doesn't really have a, uh, like a creative contract or he he's, doesn't hold a position in the company. He's just got a performer's contract. Mm hmm. Um, and now I've heard a couple times, sometimes he, uh, you know, offered some ideas and stuff for writing, but that's it. Stephanie is the, is the chief brand officer of WWE now. And, uh, Terrible. I don't know. She's, she's involved in a lot of that shit that has to do with like getting charities and stuff and like, uh, working with, you know, sponsors and all that. Hey, Which, what about this, Brandy? You fucking fucking heel program start safe space fucker. Um, Whoa! <laughs> why don't you take that money? Actually, lower it to like maybe fifteen dollars a month because that's reasonable. And do charity. Maybe rape victims. Maybe breast cancer. Or me too, or even me too. Oh, actually, that's rape. Whatever. <laughs> um, but like stuff that will involve women with safe spaces. Yeah, like say half of the rate goes to charities or something. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. No, that might make people feel less bad about it. But no, <laughs> no, she's she's gonna do her ego, or she's like, oh, people fucking get me on Twitter, it's stupid, and like nobody cares about you. Stop it! You're Cody's wife. That's hot. That's it. It's like when it's like when Danny Garcia was getting mad because The Rock was getting all the credit for buying the XFL. Mm-hmm. It's like 
Nobody cares about you. It's The Rock. Sorry. <laughs> know your role. It's fucking... <laughs> I understand it was your idea, but you knew that you should have known this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I'm going to keep going. Um, Marty Jannetty apparently makes people disappear. Uh, <laughs> this, this happened earlier in the week that, or, so, or late last week, this story kind of came out or something where Marty was going on a rant on Facebook, which is something he's known to do once in a while. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it's like unintelligible. Like he might be drunk or on something. You can kind of figure out what he's saying. Usually it's crazy shit. Um, but I think he broke up with what was his girlfriend and he was fucking pissed and he was saying some shit and he's like, uh, he recounted a story about the first time he made somebody disappear. And he blamed this on fucking hackers, by the way. Yeah. He turned around. Well, here's, here's here. This was the timeline of shit. Like, uh, he told a story where he hit a guy in the head with a brick and threw him in the river. <laughs> when he was 13 years old, he threw an adult man in the fucking river. Okay. Um, <laughs> like after that, he did an interview for like on some wrestling news site or some bullshit. And he basically kind of tried to clarify his statement or something, what he was <laughs> saying. And it was, and he didn't say I got hacked yet at that point. He was, trying to you know shed more light on the story he was trying to tell uh and then you apparently he was like oh i got hacked so he, he was just get trying to get attention he's he, making shit up he's stupid dude like <laughs> why would because right when i saw that on twitter and a lot of people just like they said oh marty Gennardi, uh admitted to murder i'm like i read it and when he said man made a man disappear i'm like why now you're gonna have unnecessary police going huh because there's no statute of limitation on murder by the way he wasn't fucking thinking about that he was just drunk or on drugs and he was just trying to he's bullshitting what makes me laugh and also makes me kind of angry because of how stupid wrestling fans are sometimes is that they there was a percentage of them that i think took it seriously Mm mm-hmm like they forgot that wrestlers are full of shit usually, mm. especially older ones. <laughs> and they're just like, "Oh my god, the first time?" What? <laughs> it's like, dude, he's Mario Gennetti is known to be full of shit and he's a drug addict and he's he's a junkie. Like, come on. <laughs> if I was one of the uh promoters Either either indie AEW or whatever. I'll even say WWE. I would run with this. I would have Marty Jannetty in the background. Not even mention him. He's there. Like in the back when like uh, tra- one of the women uh, like host people, Charlie Caruso or whatever. One of the robots. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. You just see Marty Jannetty in the background, like with a hood, just fucking like going. Yeah, with a brick, just like walking through the backstage, and then you just have like Michael Cole or Corey Graves be like, "What? What? what who is that?" And just don't mention it for a while until like people start disappearing. Maybe Dexter Lewis will start going around with a brick in his hand, and he'll just start. 
Because Marty Jannetty can't wrestle anymore. Apparently, his legs and ankles are fucking shot, so he's done. Well, I I didn't know that he came back like I don't know ten years ago, uh, and he faced the Miz and shit. That one uh, where Snoop Dogg was like the special guest. He's like, homie, homie, you ain't facing that guy. You're facing Marty Jannetty. And then like Marty Jannetty came out and like faced the Miz, and he was doing pretty good. I actually watched that. I'll I'll link it link it to you. Because I started searching Marty Jannetty matches, and they were just terrible. <laughs> but he did. I, re- I remember Marty had a match on Raw or something like a while ago. Now that was somewhat recent, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, "Hey, damn, it's pretty good." And then it was that was it. He had like a one-off kind of brief push thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that story was just more interesting and entertaining than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the final news that I have. This is still kind of in that field. Um, Booker T was saying some stuff about Dixie Carter that was kind of interesting. Okay, and what? What? So he, he, you know, he's got his his radio show or whatever, and he was saying like, you know how Booker is? He goes, man, Dixie Carter. <laughs> she, she, uh. She was uh, mixing business with pleasure. You know what I mean, man? Like, like, (laughs) uh, what? Basically, he was saying she was fraternizing with a lot of the wrestlers, like, a lot and a lot more than what she should have. You know, (laughs) when I started seeing Dixie Carter and TNA, I was saying, like, they did the storyline where, like, she's ugly and stuff. And I'm just like, uh, no, she's fucking hot for her age. And all that stuff. She was uh, allegedly, uh, Jim Cornette's maintained, she was trying to get a spot on one of those like real housewives kind of show. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were trying to do one for Nashville or they, they were going to, and she was trying to get on it. <laughs> so. But I could definitely see like her sleeping around the locker room. There have been rumors of that going around here and there a little bit. Scott Hall said some stuff that, but he was really vague about it. You know how Scott Hall is. Yeah, drunk. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no, he wasn't drunk. This was after he cleaned up. Okay. But like he was like, oh, you know, man, I was, hey, <laughs> Nash said some shit. You know how he is too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Booker saying it. The, a lot of people say it, so it makes me think eh, maybe that did happen. <laughs> so. The only thing I could say bad about that is if she's going, well, I'm not going to push you unless you fuck me kind of thing. I don't know if that kind of shit happened, but it may have been, it may have created situations where she wanted to push somebody more if they uh, performed well or how many, something. How many times did AJ Styles pork her? Probably a lot. <laughs> he was married. He had kids, brother. But yeah, I don't know. Who stops at, at that? Like. Well, allegedly he's a Christian, so I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? So, uh, but Booker was saying, like, man, when I saw that happening, I knew this joint was not going to last long, and it was time to get your paper. Get your paper, dog, and get out. (laughs) He's right. Man, anybody that knew anything had been in the business for a while, and that's what he was saying. He figured out pretty quick, this place isn't going to last long. I better get my money and get the fuck out of here. You know what? I mean, he's right on that sense to get money because <laughs> at some point, like they weren't weren't paying the the superstars. Yeah, but like you can't kill TNA. 
It's impossible. No, TNA is like the cockroach of wrestling. It won't <laughs> go away. It still exists. It's getting better. So hopefully um, with the injection of WWE talent and uh, your favorite uh, <laughs> e- a female wrestler that just got signed over there. Oh, yeah, Deanna Peraza. They, they went ahead and gave her the belt. They're listening to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, get her. Do stuff with her. Yeah, they listened. Yeah, so I, I'm going to keep an eye on Impact. If Impact still goes up, it, 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 with Impact, there's always a point where it starts to get really, really good, and then they do something really, really bad. Something stupid happens, and it sends them like three or four steps back when they went ahead like one or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I guess we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, anything else with the Booker T? No, that was kind of it. It was just kind of fun to listen to him talk about it. <laughs> I, I want to more. I want to know more about TNA stories. I think that's my goal. I'm going to try to find more like <laughs> TNA bad stories that happen. Oh God! All you got to do is go to YouTube and type in TNA shoot. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, I think it's time. So take us away to January 2nd, 1993, WCW. Here we are, WCW Saturday night. This was debatably the flagship show for WCW back then. Mm-hmm. They they had, like, a, they called it a main event, but, like, I, that show's not even on the fucking network, and I've never seen it in my life. Like, I've seen WCW Saturday Night before, back when it was on TV. But I didn't even know about this other show, so I I, I don't know. But um, this was what I decided to go with, because I remember back in the day, sometimes there would be really good matches on this show. Uh, and it there's a lot of recaps in this, uh, on these episodes, for stuff that had happened previously. Um, but I feel like that's just to keep people who may have just randomly tuned in up to date with what's going on. Um, but they had like a special report at the start of this episode where it showed like how Vader beat Ron Simmons to regain the world title, mm-hmm. which was like, oh, that was a big moment when Ron Simmons won the world title from Vader. And he was like the first black world heavyweight champion in American wrestling. Yeah, did he only have that for a year? Uh no, he had it for like about four months. Ooh. September, October, November, and then he lost it December thirtieth. It must have been and I mean He the, almost had it for five months. It was a bold it's kind of funny that WCW was the first place for a black wrestler to get the world heavyweight championship compared yeah. compared to WWF <laughs> yeah and uh a couple other places too i mean uh but like yeah i mean it's not really a too short of a reign like that's that's a that's pretty long of, yeah you're it's a third of a year there um, and around that time, that's when title, that's how long title race started to get. They were getting shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that report though, because it felt like you were, this felt like, Oh my God, breaking sports news kind of shit. That's the way it was presented. And that kind of sets the tone for these shows. Like even at this time when you hear every now and then like, Oh man, this is like when WCW was at a low point right now. Mm-hmm. 
in my opinion, they just came off of an even worse low point. Like this is just after I think Jim Hurd got the fuck out of there, maybe, uh, who was trying really hard to make WCW like WWF back then. And it was arguably even worse results. Oh, oof. Like, like Kevin is very Vegas on here. We'll get to that in a sec. But before that, his gimmick was Oz. Do you know what Oz is? No. He showed up dressed in like a green cloak, like a lime green neon fucking cloak. And he had like his, his beard was dyed white. And he had this makeup on where he looked like an evil wizard of Oz. And he had like an orb <laughs> and shit. And it was like smoky and he'd throw it on the ground and it would explode. And there'd be fucking pyro shit. And it was just this overdone, insane gimmick. <laughs> and they're still, don't get me wrong. They're still kind of doing gimmicky. I want to be like WWF shit now, but it's curtailed a lot. Like if you notice like on the network, when you're flipping by, you see the Shockmaster thumbnail. Mm-hmm. On, so the Shockmaster is still going to happen. That's an example of something kind of silly. <laughs> so I guess one thing I want to bring up about WCW. Um, I like Jim Ross. Yes. I think he's a great uh, commentator. But I felt WCW felt more like a sports show compared to what... Uh, what we're watching right now at raw in the nineties. Like, I feel like raw became like, <laughs> we're going to be crazy. We're going to be raw uncut and uncensored and all that stuff. And uncooked, then, brother. Yeah. And then you have WCW where it's just like, we're going to have Hank Aaron and fucking this, <laughs> this, uh, one of the wrestlers, I think his name is Eric Watts. Like here's his coach from college and stuff talking about him. And, Dude, yeah, some of that stuff was really, really boring, and I was just like, "Who cares?" Uh, but like when they did the promos, the promos were the great part of it. This has better promos than I think uh, Raw. Those two episodes that we watch, in my opinion, yeah, like those those uh, two episodes of Raw they didn't have any really great standout promos necessarily. Like I kind of like the Razor promo because he's just chewing scenery and stuff. Mm-hmm. Brett had an okay promo for his, he's still kind of coming into his own on his promos at that time. Yeah. Um, he gets better. He gets better later on. Uh, but yeah, like flair and perfect did some impromptu promos at the end of the last episode we watched that were, you know, they were fucking mad. You could tell they were mad, <laughs> but it was quick. You know, it was like, we're running out of TV time. We need to like Ric Flair, say something quick. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> Make it a I quit match and all that stuff. I swear in front, in front of God and everybody. And this man's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of appreciate the uh, sports based wrestling presentation, mm-hmm. especially like when you know some people said, "Oh, we're going to be sports based wrestling," and then it's like not at all. <laughs> Was that oh, wow? This is sports based wrestling. I remember this. Were you, were you taking a shot at AEW or like? Everything matters. <laughs> and it I'm not gonna let that go. They sold me a bill of goods. They lied to me. <laughs> um man, this this show has really cheesy like bumper music though. Mm-hmm. Like whatever it's like the intro music. I'm like, is that the real music they used? Like Hackney's Jack? Well no no, I like that theme. Hang on a minute. 
<laughs> Can I but see like, the track? Bang, bang. <laughs> it sounded like a Frank Zappa track, honestly. Yeah. But, um, like, uh, I, I've mentioned this before sometimes where WWE likes to monkey with, like, the track, the music tracks that play over certain entrances or whatever. They'll go back and they'll change it. Mm-hmm. it. It aggravates me. And I wasn't sure if this was the real music or not. But then again, I was like, it could be because the production quality right now mm-hmm. is still like a step behind where WWF is. It looks like this show is still kind of produced in the 80s, even though it's 1993. <laughs> uh, from the camera quality of it, the, the, the look of the camera, the film to just kind of how it's shot and everything. Uh, but yeah, JR and Larry's the best goer on commentary. Weird combo, by the way, but like Jim Ross runs with it. It works. Zabisco does all right. Um, I kind of, I, I like that he's able to actually, what, what I appreciate about Zabisco is he actually gets into the moves and like, and people don't do this anymore. And it pisses me off. Uh, that he'll explain like why you, you should do the move that way or like why you, you don't want this to happen when you're in this move, why this move hurts and shit. Mm-hmm. I always like it when people go out of their way to do that. Um, but yeah, the first matchup is Cactus Jack and the Barbarian against the Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck is Johnny Gunn? I know who Z-Man is. That's Tom Zank. Yeah, Johnny Gunn was uh, weird, in my opinion. Johnny Gunn. I'm looking up Johnny Gunn right now. Some of his other names is Johnny Gunn. Oh, what? Tom Brandy, Salvatore Sincere. That's apparently the the name he's most known by. The Patriot and Mister Italy. So I guess he's Italian. Uh, he was the Patriot. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know who the Patriot is. You don't remember the Patriot? No, wait, no, that's a different Patriot. So th- I, he might have been impersonating the Patriot or some bullshit, or he might have been like a second shitty version. Maybe Del Del Wilkes was the the Patriot. Uh, okay, so like in like ninety six or ninety seven in WWF, they had this guy called Patriot, and he was like a masked wrestler, but he wasn't like a luchador or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just a, another kind of an example of a classic American masked wrestler, which was kind of weird at that time. Cause people quit kind of, kind of quit doing that. Um, and he was just like, I'm Mr. America man, sort of, but he was like just a solid wrestler, you know, mm-hmm. he had pretty good build and shit. Um, he had some okay matches with people. Uh, he just didn't get anywhere because, uh, supposedly Shawn Michaels didn't fucking like him and shit. Fuck I don't <laughs> he was a prick back then. There's no getting around it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Z-Man and Gun, their theme is a cover of Legs by ZZ Top, and I thought that was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why is it playing a cover of Legs for, like, dudes? I just... Legs. Can, you, can no. you say that for, like, a woman? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um... The commentary in this, I, I don't know if, like, Zabisco was, like, uh, trying to, because he was, he because you know in, like, wrestling you have a face commentator and a heel commentator. 
And like he commended more Johnny Gunn and uh, Z Man than the other barbarians. Like, oh, they're not a team, and they should be working more like a team, which is true. Because at, at some point, um, Cactus Jack and the Barbarian were like hating each other, and like they were they're having a they're having a fight. Yeah, and then like look at these ugly guys and all that stuff, and like Jim Ross. Young Jim Ross back then, which is like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> he like does the nonchalant type of commentating. Yeah. Well, I heard thunder. I hope my power doesn't go out. We're going to keep going. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, It was nice to see Mick in his younger years here. Mm-hmm. Where he still, he could still be pretty fast and stuff. Like there's not that much of a time jump here between when he gets in WWF from now. It's like three years. Uh, I, what were you gonna say? No, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Uh, I kept I kept on thinking during this match. I'm like, wow, he's gonna get thrown off of a hell of a cell in a couple of years. <laughs> like his Man. life, his life changes pretty much from there to what was it, ninety six that he got thrown off? Yeah, nice. No, it was ninety seven. No, that was not. No, it was ninety eight. I'm sorry. Ninety eight. It, it was ninety eight for sure. It was King of the Ring ninety eight. Um, but like this was before he started doing like a lot of really crazy bumps and spots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he was just starting to, at this point in his career. And in fact, on some of these WCW Saturday night shows, we're going to watch later. If we get to that, uh, he has like kind of a short feud with Vader. Ooh, really? They, they beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, and it was so bad, it was to a point to where the WCW management told both of them, you guys can't wrestle each other anymore because this is getting fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, like, he told Vader, like, I want you to hit hard way me in the head until I get busted open. <laughs> and you see when Vader's doing it, like, he's rearing his punch back, and he legit just hits him like in the head like right in the forehead as hard as he can jeez dude and vader's power bombing him on the fucking concrete floor outside and ugh, <laughs> it was rough it's it's good shit but man that's that was hard to watch sometimes but that's mick foley dude like mick foley's a crazy fuck but like he wants to put on a good show um yeah. <laughs> i guess wcw is like we don't want nobody to die so can yeah, you... they, they thought it was like a liability thing, really, to let those two keep working together. <laughs> but, dude, I can't wait until that feud happens. But, like, it's nice to see Mick, Mick Foley wrestle uh, without, like, barbed wire or, like, a, a fiery, like, table. Like, he looked pretty decent in this, and he's actually skinny in this uh, match, by the way. He's somewhat skinny here, yeah. He's he's not quite that big yet. Yeah, Mick can re- Mick can wrestle. He's he's good about this the psychology part of the business and stuff. He's never going to do a ton of moves. That's not what he does. It's not about how many moves you fucking do anyway. Uh, but um, let's see, like both him and Barbarian kind of get some basic offense together. There is this part where Z Man takes a nasty looking bump outside. But I'm pretty sure it's one of those things is like, hey, I can do this cool bump watch. And it's like he spills outside. It looks like he kind of falls through the middle rope and takes a does like a headstand thing. Like he fell on his head and he falls (laughs) out. I'm like, fuck, that looked pretty cool. Hope he's okay. (laughs) 
Um, Johnny Gunn seems really green here. I mm. noticed he did like a lot of clotheslines. Yeah. He's like, clothesline, clothesline. He turns out clothesline, and then he runs into the ropes. You know what he does? He does a leaping clothesline. But that's like wrestling in the 80s and 90s. Like, it it, it wasn't about finisher moves like today. It's not about hitting those crazy moves. You only take those crazy moves out when you put somebody down. And I'm not mean like death. Like, like it's going to be a big move. Uh, for example, I'm just going to say, like, one of the matches in the future, like, a dude gets, maybe it was this match. Yeah, it was this match, I believe, because I think the Barbarian, like, fucking boots the guy in the fucking head. And, I love that. And then he's out. That's it. It's over. That, yeah, that gets into the finish here. There's a there's a spot where, I guess, Gunn's finisher is a Thez press. Mm-hmm. Uh. He Thez presses Cactus, who's not legal, so there's no pinfall. So Barbarian notices this, and he knows he's legal. And so he just kind of walks up to him while he's still in the Thez press, and he kicks him in the fucking head, and he pins him, and he beats him. <laughs> I'm like, wow! He beat, <laughs> he beat him with a kick to the head. I'm like, come on. That's so refreshing to see, by the way. Very refreshing. Instead of, god damn, I'm going to do my finisher to you like five fucking times. Yeah. And then I'm going to beat you. <laughs> yeah, like today where there's so many false finishes now and like they have to make it look like somebody's DUS de- machina and all that stuff. Stop it. Go back to simple wrestling, please. Yeah. Cactus and Barbarian were the highlight in this, really. Mm. This did what it needed to. There were some neat spots. I gave it 5.5. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Next, or is there something? There's always something in between all these matches. Yeah, I've got all that stuff written down. Written. written. Uh, there was a recap of Sting getting his Battle Bowl ring. And uh, that was kind of cool. And then it showed Muda winning the recent Battle Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, they, yeah, uh, back around this time, WCW had like a talent exchange relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they got Muda for a while, and they pushed him pretty good. Like, Muda was kind of a main event talent in WCW around that time. Um, and then they had Liger, too. They had Jushin Liger a couple times as well. And they probably got a few others that, like, we're not mentioning or something, or I just don't know that they had yet. Mm-hmm. But those were the two big ones. Back then, like, in Japan, like, the biggest wrestlers were Muda and Jushin Liger. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, I feel like AEW or if NWA comes back, you should utilize other uh, promotions to, you know, help you go worldwide pretty much and yeah. get interested a little bit. Like if and if New Japan came to AEW or NWA, I'd be like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Next up, we had Eric Watts versus Mustafa Saeed. Was this the time where we we learned about like Eric Watts's fucking uh, football coach or whatever? Yeah, I said fluff package for Eric Watts, and it's just like yeah, his coach was like, oh, he's yeah, he's great, and then it was over. <laughs> and it was just like, well, 
if this was somebody that I cared about, that might have helped. But this is the problem. It's Eric Watts. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know about Eric Watts? Do you know who he is? Not really, because I'm not I'm not going to like lie to you guys. The only wrestlers like like I know about, no, no, no about <laughs> is like Vader, fucking stunning Steve Austin, flying Brian, like all the all the ones that I know from Attitude Era and some WWF. So like, this Eric Watts and fucking uh, what was his name Barry? I think Billy Barry Windham. Yeah, you called him Billy. I was like, why? Did you? <laughs> I was like, you didn't know who Barry Windham was. And I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> But uh, it's okay, though. Uh, Eric Watts is Bill Watts' son. Oh, okay. Cowboy Bill Watts. And at this point, I think Bill Watts was head booker. And it didn't last long, but he was. And he was pushing his son, Eric. And this has happened before, where Bill Watts tried to push his son, Eric. And Eric, nobody fucking cares about Eric. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. Um, oh, by the way, Mustafa is Mustafa Saeed of the Gangsters. New Jack. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Mustafa. Like, I, I didn't know Mustafa worked in WCW real early in his career. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's basically a job guy, but still. I'm not um, going to lie. I tuned out a lot in this match because I'm like, Wow. Eric Watts is boring. There's not much to say. Yeah, Eric Watts hits some really – Mustafa gets some really basic offense and low-level job guy offense, and then Eric kicks over, and he squashes him. It's basically a squash for Eric Watts. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing about Eric Watts. Mechanically, he's like he's a decent performer. He, he doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't mess up. But he has, like, no physical charisma or presence to him at all. I, I wrote down on my doc that he's a tall stick. He's just this tall, skinny guy. Yeah. And just, unfortunately, he's Cowboy Bill Watts' son, and he's just not his father. It's one of those fucking uh, deals. I so, I wrote down like the the segment where he, he, they were interviewing the fucking uh, the coach and stuff. And the coach was really fucking boring. Like, I, I guarantee you, like, I got to talk about this fake shit about what he's doing. He should be a football star. Like, <laughs> like he's probably just a guy who's not used to being on camera. and He's nervous. <laughs> maybe. But like, I, I feel like back then, like a lot of people were like fucking fake shit and all that stuff. But uh, like, he's like, you know, he's a great athlete and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, would it? I don't know how wrestling does and stuff, but what, he, he, he's gonna, he's gonna do great. And like, the, he's be great, yeah, that's pretty much the package. Well, he wasn't great. No, he this, was terrible. Four out of five, is, uh, four out of ten for me. I didn't rate it because it's a squash. Oh, okay. I don't rate, I don't rate squashes. You could rate him if you want, but I don't. Um, but this is kind of an ongoing problem, I think, around this time for WCW is the Bill Watts is trying to push Eric and. It's kind of a sticking point story throughout these episodes. It looks like it looks like everybody hates Eric Watts for some reason. Good because uh, they should. I guess it's because all oh, your your cowboy's son, and he has apparently he has a fucking bounty on his head, but I don't know who put it on him still. So, 
He's doing the old bounty thing. Um. Anyway, Teddy Long is an interviewer, and he interviews Cactus Jack and Tony Atlas. Chunky Teddy Long, by the way. Yeah, he's a little bigger back then. Um, this is where we learned apparently there's a bounty on Eric Watson. Cactus does the promo where I did it at the beginning of the show. He's like, at the next Watts family gathering, in addition to the carrots and mashed potatoes, there will be another vegetable at the table. <laughs> <laughs> when I collect that bounty, it clashed the champions. <laughs> and I was like, damn. He basically said he's going to make him a vegetable. That's, that's pretty good. Uh... Tony Atlas, by the way, fucking Jack. Dude's oh, yeah, dude's huge. Fucking huge, dude. Like, he, rem- and, and I know I probably, uh, God, what's that fucking guy's name in WWE? Ah, uh, he's part of the Hurt Business. Uh, he was in the Lana uh, storyline. Bobby Lashley? Yeah, like. He shades of Bobby Lashley, even though he he was there first. But like, if I had to compare, like Bobby Lashley reminds me of Tony Atlas a little bit. I can kind of see it a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about Tony Atlas is like he's not really like a great promo or anything. He gets mad, and you kind of feel like he. It seems like he's crazy a little. Yeah. I like how when he flexes, he shows his arm. It fucks up the interviewer. They have to, like, move the <laughs> microphone so he can keep talking. Like, this happens multiple times. It's just, like, a thing, apparently. Yeah, I loved it, by the way. I, uh, that promo was awesome. Yeah. Um. Up next, we have something else that's kind of interesting that's going on. There's a recap about Rick Rude being... He's fresh out of coming out off the WWF at this point. Um... He's the current U.S. champion in WCW, and he has an injury, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really vague about it, but they're acting like they're going to take the title from him, or they already did, and they're going to have a U.S. title tournament. Yeah, which is, like, big next episode. Yep. And uh, the tournament actually starts right after this segment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got... This is the first round. Vinny Vegas versus Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Um, when I, uh, by the way, I was surprised to see Kevin Nash, even because <laughs> I remember him obviously in Nitro, but I didn't know he was here at WCW as Vinny fucking Vegas. Yeah, he got he actually got his start in WCW, like in terms of being on TV and shit. I think. Uh, Oz was his gimmick before Vinny Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he walked out, I was surprised because I didn't skip ahead and look at all the segments or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, it's Kevin Nash. And then the next thing I noticed was, oh my God, Kevin Nash is moving fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Like the, the first thing he says when he comes out of the curtain is like, uh, yeah, uh, about time I get a title picture match and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, that's Kevin Nash. That's probably him talking as Kevin Nash and not Vinny Vegas. Maybe. Uh, I, I think back then Nash had a little bit less of an ego. I think he developed his massive giant ego after he left the WWF. Yeah, when he became an outsider. <laughs> yeah. Um. This was kind of an interesting little match. It wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. 
but it was it was interesting because Kevin Nash is moving fast and he's trying hard. Yeah. <laughs> he did a fucking sunset flip to Dustin. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? It just blew my mind because I'm just not used to him doing shit like that. By the way, uh Dustin looked like his father so much in this fucking match. Way he too. does. He's just not he's not fat like him, but Yeah. Like he, he was a little chunky in this uh in this time. But that fucking hair, dude, like in the hair and in the face, mm-hmm. definitely. You can tell, you know. Um uh, Zabisco is doing a real good job here explaining some of the moves here. And Vegas is trying hard, Dustin is selling his ass off. And Let's see. It the match ended pretty quick. It was like Dustin countered. I think he was trying to get a sleeper on him, and then like Vegas was gonna run him into the turnbuckle. Like he was running full speed at the turnbuckle. Yeah, dude. Uh, Dustin went into the fucking turnbuckle like hard. Yeah, dude. I was like, I was like, wait a second. Maybe Bret Hart took that shit from Dustin because that looked fucking brutal i don't know i'm not sure if bret hart was doing the turnbuckle spot before the this or not because the earliest i remember him taking it was like maybe 92 yeah but i, I can't remember back that far because i don't think i was watching it back then but um let's see he did that and he kind of got off nash and then he hit the turnbuckle and then he hit the bulldog out of nowhere and beat him mm-hmm what do you think? I I I liked it. Um I think it's as same maybe a little bit better like my rating from the Cactus Jack and uh um we call it match. The Barbarian. I'm going to put it at a 5.5 5 out of 10. Oh, I gave it a 6. Okay. I was just I guess Kevin just trying so hard is what got me. <laughs> besides Dustin really trying to work with him he was like I'm selling brother I'm going to sell for you um, got a pretty big moment here coming up next um, Barry Wyndham was in the back and they were doing an interview with Teddy Long and apparently Barry was teaming with Brian Pillman before but he had to step away because now he has singles titles opportunities and shit and so he found a replacement for, for Brian and it's stunning Steve Austin. So this is the start of Austin and Pillman teaming up right here. Nice. And by the way, Pillman, I love his promos. And just, the, yeah. just the way he screams into the fucking, you know what? Like, I can't even do it because it's like so. He's got that raspy voice. Yeah. I'm fine, Brian, and this is stunning Steve Austin, and we're going to wreck we're him. premier athletes! He's <laughs> like, I can't do it, because he's just got that really unique voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like the promos by both of them, though. And Stone Cold, I gotta admit, he's great as a promo. If it, um, Even before Stone Cold Steve Austin... He sold me as stunning Steve Austin. Like, I'm the best there is and all that stuff. Like, look at me. I'm stunning and everything. Like, I believe him. And that is great. And that's what wrestlers need to focus on uh, in today. Like, 
you don't need to be a certain uh, you, you don't need to be pushed to be good. Stone Cold took something uh, where it's pretty much you are a tag team and you built something. You took that brass ring and you went from nothing to something. And there is no more uh, grind like Stone Cold talks about. There's nobody grabbing that brass ring. And he done it, dude. He he went from fucking EC, uh, WCW to ECW to fucking WWF and became something. And it's because he put passion, blood, sweat, and tears. And I could tell based off of, you know, seeing what he did in WCW. Yeah, he was trying real hard there. And uh, he just, they didn't see anything with him at the time, which I think is kind of crazy. Because even now, like, if you took all the context of that Stone Cold Steve Austin away from me, and I just watched that, I'd be just like, I like that guy. I think mm-hmm. he's got something, you know? Um, yeah, then they have their first match together right after that promo. Yes, I guess. <laughs> uh, Ricky Nelson and Larry Santo. Which, by the way, I thought it was going to be a squash match. I thought so, too. And they were fucking up Stone Cold. Uh, whatever. Uh, they, were, <laughs> they were They were fucking stunning. up. Yeah, they were fucking up stunning Steve Austin. I'm like... Oh damn! Like, I would have stunning Steve Austin just be murking these fucking guys, but the the guy with the mullet was fucking up Steve Austin. Yeah, I guess what maybe what the, they were trying to get across was they're a new team and they're not really, you know, this is their first match. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just some pretty interesting stuff that happened in this match. You just don't really see a lot anymore. Like, uh, there was a point where that guy, I think it was Santo, was kind of getting the better of Austin there in the ring, and he just kind of rolled out, you know, get a breather. And his partner, Nelson, mm-hmm. he cut him off and just threw him right back in the ring. Very heel move, by the way. Was it a heel move, though? I think he so. Just, he, threw him, he threw him back into the ring so he couldn't fucking walk around out there and waste time. I guess. I guess if you look at it at that point, but usually... They would have the faces do nothing, really, right? Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense to let that happen. True, I'll, I'll give you that. Because it's like if if you're a re- you know you gotta think this is part of like why, in my opinion, it's a little element of why like a lot of modern wrestling companies like they can't make good baby faces anymore mm-hmm. because they're not portrayed as being intelligent. They they usually always fall for dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Even these these jobbery guys knew. Oh, if if we let him stand out there and fuck off, he's gonna do something devious and fuck us. Yeah, you know. So that he did what you know was smart, throw him back in the ring so he he can get the better of him again. Um, there was this cool spot where I think it was Nelson. Yeah, he he was there doing a leaf frog thing, and Austin clipped his knee in the mid air in the jump. And it, it like and it didn't look like he fucked up. It looked like it was on purpose, mm-hmm. and it just looked good. I was just like, "Damn, that was a good spot." Um, there's another one where Pillman grabbed somebody's tights. You know, they, sometimes they do that thing where they launch you into the turnbuckle. Yeah, and it it was weird for I don't know. Um, it was weird for me to say because I'm like, 
Man, imagine if he just like tore his tights, like he'd be naked in front of all those children and shit. Well, damn, that'd be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and I, was, and I was like, that's a bold move because Brian Pillman's fucking jacked in this, like, at this time, and yeah. and I was like, holy shit. Um, but I, I I gotta give credit with credits too. Like these, to me, nobodies. Uh, against Pillman and and Steve Austin they brought they brought a fight to them more mm-hmm. more to to stunning Steve Austin while Pillman uh he was just like rubbing the guy's face on the mat which I thought was fucking funny <laughs> I don't know if you had that written down like Pillman looked more of the veteran than stunning Steve Austin in my opinion at this point I think he is like I think he might have been in the business a few more years than him at this point mm-hmm and Pillman got his start up in Canada. Uh, but he'd been in WCW longer at this point, too. So Pillman is basically the veteran in this this uh, team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's see. Here's what happened. There was like a there was a weird spot at the end where Nelson tagged Santo in. And then it looked like Santo wanted to do a double clothesline spot. Mm-hmm. And then Nelson just kind of awkwardly stood there. And then Santo was just like, fuck it. And then he went for his clothesline. <laughs> it's like he didn't know what he was supposed to do. <laughs> and then Austin dodges it. And he stun guns him and then he pins him. By the way, that move stays until pretty much the attitude error, the stun gun. Yeah, he throws it out. Like It becomes like kind of a regular move for him. Yeah, he pulls out there once in a while. Man, that used to be a finisher. Yes, <laughs> throw somebody up with the rope and they land on it with their throat. <laughs> it, that's what I like about some of this old school wrestling. Because you think about logic, you think about getting chucked from high up in the air and then landing on your throat on a rope. You're not gonna yeah. get up from that. You're gonna be like, <clears throat> and then like either that or pass out, and then yeah. and and pretty much get pinned. Um, I, I enjoyed this match. I thought I was going to hate this match because I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that mullet guy is. And that other guy who has like these weird tights with like an underwear over it kind of thing. You can describe a lot of the job guys in WCW as that guy with the mullet or guy with weird tights. (laughs) So like I gave this a 6.75 out of 10. I gave it a 6.5. Okay. It was good, and I guess I want to say uh, here, I've noticed this, like, WCW does a lot of enhancement talent matches, if you want to call them that. They're job guys, but I've noticed a lot of these job guys seem like pretty decent workers so far. Mm -hmm. There's just, there was one that I I couldn't tell because he got fucking destroyed, but that's in the next episode. And I got something to say about that guy, though. And people need to stop or I should say people in WWE and AW need to stop having everybody that you want to like push just ruin a jobber. I think a jobber should have at least a couple of good moves in there. Uh, the only time you want to have somebody job out is when you have a monster, in my opinion. Because yeah, you- there, there's different ways to go about doing a job match, a squash match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you have everybody jobbing out, it's like, oh, then everybody has to be a monster. Everybody has to have that undefeated streak kind of thing. 
And I don't think you don't need, you don't need to do that. You could have a job match where a guy, a jobber, does a couple of good moves on you, and then you get pissed off, and then you fuck him up with your, uh, your famous move or whatever you do to like, <laughs> I don't know. I would like wrap him up into the fucking ropes and like choke him to death, kind of thing. Like I would make it like dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like NXT uh, recently, I feel like brought back the proper job matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I don't know how they've been the past few months to a year because I haven't watched the regular programming for a while. But before, they were doing the kind of stuff you were saying. It's like if a baby face was fighting a job guy, depending on who it was, they would, the, that job guy might get an advantage for a little while and do a couple moves. And then he would get destroyed or something. Look if there's a heel, they would just get dominated depending on who the heel was. Look at John Cena versus fucking Kurt Angle. Perfect example there. Like, you're, you're kind of showcasing him a little bit, but at the same time, nobody knows who fucking John Cena is. You have to have Kurt Angle go over, but, like, at the same time, like, you have this John Cena guy. By the way, John Cena was so green at that time. Especially when he kept on coming out with like different colored tights and stuff, which was stupid. <laughs> yeah, like that. In my opinion, is somewhat of a, a good jobber face kind of thing. I know we're going off on too many tangents, but I'm I drank too much whiskey, by the way. So if I'm talking too fast, uh, I do apologize. Oh, it's fine. We're talking about how you know classic wrestling differs from modern. Some things have been lost. Mm-hmm. Um. Next up was a recap from Starcade, the King of Cable match. It was Sting <laughs> versus Vader, and it I, looked fucking awesome. I want to. I don't know if we should. That's a lot of work to do to watch that. But maybe after we catch up, maybe we'll go back and maybe we'll make some side get in some color episodes where we watch some of that because that looked fucking cool. Yeah, there's uh Sting the Sting Vader feud has a reputation for having a lot of good matches in it. And it kind of became like a blueprint for like a smaller, but strong baby face guy fighting like a monster, mm-hmm. you know, like, like people try to say like, depending on what the, the feud is, if it's like a smaller guy and a bigger guy, Oh, sting versus Vader. That's what they're talking about. Um, it looked great though. And it made me want to watch it. <laughs> me too. Um, then we have the U.S. title tournament part two, Tony Atlas versus Van Hammer. Heavy metal Van Hammer. I love that fucking name. Heavy- yeah, I was like, I was like, man, I remember Van Hammer, like the name, but I just, I don't have any memory of the guy, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think later on he was in NWO and he, he stayed in WCW forever, I think. Mm-hmm. Up until it died. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he was heavy metal Van Hammer. <laughs> I liked his getup. His getup had like a a trench coat, like Elvis kind of thing, and he he wore like a fucking uh, to me like a yeah, like uh, a cowboy hat. Yeah, it was kind of like a Australian like Dundee kind of hat kind of thing going on. But he's from New York, apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that. But dude, after he takes off that coat, fucking jacked. That dude was jacked, man. He he was the fucking hammer. And yeah. I wrote down, I said, strong guy versus fucking strong guy. 
and I enjoyed seeing this happen because, like, a lot of, like, today's matches, if you see two big guys go at it, you're just like, oh, it's so boring because there's no fucking spot fest and all this stuff. But this was a power of strength, and I liked it. What about you? It was pretty interesting, yeah, because there's, like, there's lots of test of strength spots. They did like a. They started with a lockup, and it was like a really long lockup. Like neither guy could get a good advantage for a while. Um, it's not like a Randy did, Orton headlock where you're just like, I'm gonna be there for like two hours. They do the collar and elbow and push at each other, and they're trying to get leverage and push the other guy. And they're doing the top wrist lock spot for a while, which fucking nobody does that anymore, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Headlocks, and then they occasionally throw in a move. Van mm-hmm. Hammer throw a drop kick, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty impressive for a guy that big. Um, oh, Cactus came out with Atlas. He accompanied him out here. Um, they do like their, you know, they're they're kind of trying to one up each other with their strength. Is kind of like how the match goes. Um, there's a point where Atlas Atlas spills to the outside, and Hammer hits both of them he comes out he rolls out and then he punches cactus in the face just <laughs> yeah out of nowhere and then he just turns around and starts he just knew he knew what was gonna happen um he gets atlas up on the apron and then hammer rolls back in he tries to suplex him but he can't and tony falls on him and then cactus holds his foot on the rope and it causes atlas to get a win cheap win it was a quick match, but I I gotta admit, like I enjoyed. It wasn't a strong guy match where I'm just like, oh, I get it, you're strong. Like this was like power, like pure power going at each other, and yeah. it's nice to see like Mick <laughs> Mick Foley being like a a manager type person. Yeah, and it was interesting. And I think yeah, I guess he had an alliance with uh, Tony Atlas at this time. Oh, I poured too much. Oops. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you give this match? Um, I'm not gonna rate it as high as like Flying Brian and um, Stunning Steve Austin. Um, yeah. I'm gonna have to give this like a a five point two out of ten. I gave it a five point it's i mean it was fine it did it, it nothing they did nothing wrong nothing was bad it did what it did mm-hmm. it was fine um then we have an interview segment with jesse ventura and arn anderson by the way jesse ventura is he only do like pay-per-views uh because i noticed like larry zabisco was doing saturday night and then every time they like did like pay-per-view highlights it was like Jesse Ventura is in there. It might be. Jesse might have had a pay-per-view only commentary deal. He might only do the big shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he'll be on commentary for Clash of Champions. I don't know, though. Um, I hope so. Because I like Jesse Ventura's commentary. It's great. Um, the whole point of this interview, I guess, was to establish that Arn Anderson hates Bill Watts. Good. And he hates, and he hates Eric Watts. Good. <laughs> He has no contract for 1993. Everyone hates Eric Watts, apparently. But, so, I mean, everybody hates Bill Watts, which can be debatable if it's real or not. 
do you think Arn Anderson was real? Was this a shoot interview, you think? Uh, no, uh, I think he probably respected Bill Watts. Okay. See, what the, the thing is, is Bill Watts is generally regarded as like a good booker. Um, and I think at this point in time, a lot of people were kind of hoping Bill Watts could turn the booking around in WCW because it just got done being real shitty, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of working because I see that in the product, which is qualities that are synonymous with him. This is more like sports-based wrestling. If you noticed in the second episode, the way Barry Windham loses is he throws Ricky Steamboat over the top rope, but he gets disqualified. (laughs) That's a Bill Watts rule. Mm -hmm. It's it's to meant to keep the action in the ring and not have a bunch of crazy shit happen all the time. Which a lot Um, of... Which a lot of federations do these days where you have to have chaos and you don't need chaos in the ring. If there's chaos all the fucking time, it's not chaos. It's just fucking bullshit that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Loses its, its meaning. Um, it was a good interview, though. Arn Anderson's a great promo. Oh, yeah. He, he, even though his hair is like thinning out and uh, he should probably shave it at this point. Um, but like... Dude, Arn Anderson looked good in '93. Like yeah, he, he had a good. He was still pretty active back then. Mm-hmm. Like you could um, tell he's like uh, the enforcer. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I'm hoping we'll see a match with him soon. Uh, we're at U.S. Title Tournament Match Three: Barry Windham versus Johnny B. Bad, not Billy Windham, Barry. <laughs> Johnny B. Um, Bad, the cosplay Little Richard. Yeah, he was doing his little Richard gimmick back then. Which, by the way, uh, in today's culture, if he would have done this where he put like a kiss mark on a child, because he puts that little sticker of the the lips on the child and stuff, and I'm like, ooh. Well, I don't know about that, buddy. I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, what were you going to say? The, the little confetti uh, cane that he had, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah. ch- I chuckled so hard when that happened. I was like, so stupid. Very stupid. It's funny because you were talking about this a little bit. I think it was last night. And then I was like, man, believe it or not, like this is as over as he ever got. It was when he was doing his little Richard gig at WCW. <laughs> How sad is that? It's kind of sad because Mark Marrow is a pretty good performer, I think. Uh He's got the athleticism and stuff. He's got the look. I forgot that he was. It, it, it's funny because, like, I was like, oh, he looks like Little Richard. But at the same time, like, you brought up that he's Mark Marrow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He's the boxer that hid behind Sable's tits. See, I thought it was funny. Like, that some, I don't know if it ever happened. Like, this might be a Mandela effect thing or just wishful thinking. But. I feel like somebody at some point referenced in WWF him being Little Richard or some shit, like in a promo. You know <laughs> what? Like, that would be good if they did. But. You know what probably happened, Vince? Probably like, hey, remember when you were Little Richard in WCW? Why don't you do a little vignette of you in like I don't know, maybe WrestleMania or something? I don't think Vince knew knew about that. Uh, it was mo- mo- I don't know who would have. Jim Ross might have gone to bat to sign to sign him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mark Marrow is a decent worker. He's he's pretty good. He's like, all right, all right, pal, let's let's see him. 
bring him in. <laughs> um, let's see. Johnny B. Bad's got some pretty good moves. He's like a smaller guy. He does like some arm drags and some little, little bit of flippies here and there. He's very athletic. Wow. Now you can tell him it's learning a little bit. Uh, he's very ath- athletic um, in this match because I was like, wow, Mark Marrow, he, all he did was like boxing moves when he's he was in punches WWE. and shit. Yeah. And this one, he's like flipping, he's jumping over. He's in really good shape compared to, in my opinion, in WWF. Um, so, like, I was surprised seeing this, but I'm like, he still has that little Richard gimmick, and I'm just like, oh, I don't yeah, care. Can't really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry is a solid wrestler, but he looks a little bit like shit right now physically. Yes. I've seen him a few times at different points in his career at this point. Like, I'm not super familiar with Barry Windham's work or anything, but I've seen him in the 80s when he's with he had his little run with WWF there. Uh, I've seen him in some old footage back when he was in Jim Crockett promotions and shit and NWA and all that. And he looks like he's let himself go a little bit, but he can still work. Yeah, I, I commend him on his promo skills and his uh, his his work ethic. But at the same time, I wrote down, man, is this guy trapped in the like late 70s, early 80s gimmick? Because he looked like somebody straight out of that, and like he never changed. <laughs> like Barry used to, he used to look different. Like he used to have when he was in the Four Horsemen, he had shorter hair, mm-hmm. I think, and he was in better shape. <laughs> like he was never like a guy who was jacked or anything. Uh, he always kind of had that body type where it was just like uh, he doesn't really look like he works out, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. he just that maybe those are just the cards he was dealt. Uh but yeah, here it, like he grew his hair out when he was in WWF. He had kind of a mullet going on, but that was the style in the mid late eighties. Oh yeah. And now his hair's long and he's got a kind of a goatee thing going. He looks kind of rough. <laughs> but I guess in a way, for his character the way he is right now, it kind of makes sense. Um, I guess because he's a veteran, maybe that's why he's going for the singles title and have uh, Brian Pillman and Steve Lawson. But if anything, I think he should have been a tag team. But then you would never got flying Brian and the the, the Hollywood blondes and all that stuff. You would never got that. That's uh, right. And I don't know. Like, I digged what uh, <laughs> I keep on saying uh, Barry Windham. Um, like. It it was still nice to see him wrestle like that, even though if he was out of shape, he he kept up with uh, Johnny B. Bad. Um, maybe Johnny B. Bad held back a little bit on his uh, athleticism and all that stuff, but like, I believe Barry Windham was wrecking havoc, and he did. Yeah, like I I don't have a lot of, much of a frame of reference for Barry's work still at this point. So mm-hmm. I can't tell if he's really out of shape or not in terms of his work. But he seems like he, yeah, he can keep up because mm-hmm. he has that match with Steamboat in the next episode. and he's Dude, yeah. that match is crazy. <laughs> we'll get to that. Great finishing sequence, though. Uh, Johnny B. Bad goes for a top rope sunset flip, but Barry rolls through and he just clotheslines him. 
<laughs> on the roll through. It was like, bam! I was like, there it is. He picks him up and he hits the impaler DDT. He finishes him. Is this the is this the same match that like either Johnny Be Good or maybe Ricky Steamboat like they stand up like they're on the ground and like Barry Windham just does a clothesline while they're sitting down, or is that a different match? Uh, I think it was it was this match here mm-hmm. where like he rolled he he did that sunset flip and John, Johnny was like what and then he just goes wham like, <laughs> and just knocks him down. It looked good. Um. I thought this was a pretty decent match here, and I gave it a 6.5. Same here. I gave it 6.5. Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat are unified tag team champions. What is what that an e- odd what an odd pairing. What does that even mean, by the way? Because I know like WWE had something with the unified championship. Why are they unified? Is that two different companies, pretty much? No, uh so the deal is back then um they had kind of a a mid-card tag team title it was the united states tag team champions oh uh really that belt was made for the midnight express to hold that that that, that's what dusty said dusty came up with it he's like listen baby we're gonna give you guys the united states tag team championship daddy you guys gonna hold on to that that's your belt (laughs) (laughs) That, that it was made for them to just have it for the most part. Um, but it got traded off from a few different people. And I guess, uh, you know, with WCW and restructuring and shit, they decided let's consolidate some of our championships. And they did. Um, and it happened recently, apparently. I don't recall what the match was, like who, who was the opponents in it. I don't know if they mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, Steamboat gave a good promo though that he hates Wyndham, <laughs> and Barry Wyndham's been pissing a lot of people off apparently. Which you'll see why in his episode two. Dustin hates him. Mm-hmm. Steamboat hates him. And we're at match four for the U.S. title tournament: Dan Spivey versus Ricky Steamboat. And. and- this is where WCW loses me a little bit because I'm like, who the fuck is Dan Spivey? Oh God! Like, honestly, Dan Spivey is not. And this this match proved it to me. He's not a good wrestler. Yeah, and uh, like he's just physically, he looks like shit, and he is shit. I got a whole rant written. Down. It's not really a rant. It's just like a couple sentences, but. Uh, Dan Spivey was part of a tag team with Sid Vicious I, around this time or before, a little bit before. And they were called the, uh, um, oh, fuck. I used to remember the name and I forgot now. Uh, I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, they were a tag team, though. And what? Sid, <laughs> because now you've seen Spivey, Sid was the worker of that group. Yeah, I wrote down, I said, if Steve Austin was tall and fat and couldn't work a wrestling match, that is Dan Spivey, by the way. Oof. Because he, he looked like... <laughs> his face looked like Steve Austin. His getup looked like Steve Austin. And, dude, fucking Steamboat carried this fucking match from beginning to end. And it was, well, he tried. He tried to carry it. I don't think he really succeeded. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> it was a bad match. Um, Steamboat did try to save it. He put a lot of headlocks in this. Because I think Steamboat's like, I can't work with this guy. <laughs> he knew. He was trying. And I have this written down. Like, before, I just knew Dan Spivey used to be Waylon Mercy. He had, like, this gimmick in WWF. He was Waylon Mercy. I kind of vaguely remember. And this was a... People referenced this gimmick when they used to talk about Bray Wyatt's old gimmick. Because they think it's, like, partially based off of this. And I guess Dan Spivey watched fucking Cape Fear 2. <laughs> and decided he was going to be, you know, the guy Robert Nero plays in Cape Fear. <laughs> Except he's also a weird religious guy. Um, I, I wrote this down. I wrote every time Dan Spivey got up through <laughs> through Steamboat into the ropes, Steamboat just brings him down to a headlock. <laughs> he's trying to. I think he's probably trying to fucking tell him what to do, and he's not <laughs> listening because uh, he has. Okay. Uh. There have been a couple times where Jim Cornette talked about how much of a stupid asshole Dan Spivey was and how terrible he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I basically said, because I never knew, I never watched a Dan Spivey match before. And I said, everything Cornette has ever said about Dan Spivey is true. He fucking sucks. He looks like shit. He no-sells horribly. If you notice, there were multiple times where he no-sold moves Steamboat was doing to him, and it was mm-hmm. bad. It wasn't even like, like nothing registered, basically. I wrote... Steamboat does a German suplex and fucking Spivey just stands up. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because German suplexes are kind of like big moves back then. That was, that was a big spot back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for some people, that was their finisher. Uh, and his offense looks fucking terrible. Yeah, Spinebuster looked fucking terrible. He did a really shitty, jerky, awkward-looking Spinebuster. He did like a really shitty rib breaker. It didn't even look like it connected. It just looked like fucking shit. Yeah, I wrote down his his rib breaker or his back breaker kind of thing. He hits Steamboat's ass with his knee, and it was too short. It was like he he didn't he didn't exaggerate the movement enough so you could see what was happening. It was just uh, and he just kind of dumped him on the mat. And it's like it looks that's fucking terrible. <laughs> the only thing I'll say positive about him is there's a part where Spivey headbutts the turnbuckle to, like, pump himself up, and then he does a wicked clothesline where Steamboat, like, sells a little bit. Like, oh, I just got fucking clotheslined and stuff. But then, back to shit. (laughs) I hated that part, but okay. (laughs) I thought it was just, like, it made this weird pause happen in the match, and again, he was no-selling Steamboat's offense. That's what led to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and he just, and then Steamboat just stood there and watched it happen, basically. It's just like, that's dumb. I don't like that. <laughs> but, um, Steamboat is selling like a champ. Thankfully, he puts this to an end pretty quickly with a flying crossbody. <laughs> yep. How sad it is that you get, you know, ended by a match with a crossbody. That like, was Steamboat's finisher. I know, but like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes he did like a roll up deal, you know, small package, and then sometimes I think he may have beat people with a figure four. 
even I'm not with, really sure about that. But. Even when Spivey was doing his little bug ha- bug hair bear hugs, <laughs> bug hairs, <laughs> his his bear hugs and stuff, it looked stupid. Like Simba was doing this, and he just like it didn't even sell it to me because like he was doing. Mm, mm. It's just, he doesn't know how to execute moves properly. Mm. It seems like four point seventy five. Four point one out of five. I Steamboat made it more bearable. That was the only thing, and he still couldn't make it like even okay. He tried though. Mm-hmm. He was having a match with a three hundred pound sack of shit. I mean, come on. Fuck you, Spivey, piece of shit. Fucking Spivey. Anyway, <laughs> good promo with Wyndham after that, and the show closes. Mm-hmm. Uh. I wrote pretty decent contrast between promotions at this point. WCW is still coming off like sports based product, even with gimmicks like Johnny B bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Production quality is still kind of a step behind. They still look like they're filming everything in its 80s style. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a decent amount of good young up and coming talent that was featured. Yeah, incredible vet. I mean, you had Dustin Rhodes, you had Brian Pillman. Like, who'd be? He's been in the business a little bit at this point, but he's still like a young guy. Austin, you had, uh, you know, Vinny Vegas, you know, Kevin Nash. Uh, lots of recognizable faces that go to WWE and then come back in WCW. (laughs) Some of them do. Um. Both episodes, both first episodes that we watched for this thing had a great talent in the main event with a shit opponent. <laughs> it was Undertaker versus the fucking Damian Demento. <laughs> and then it was Ricky Steamboat versus Dan Spivey. And I'm like, man, if only Ricky Steamboat and The Undertaker could have had a match. <laughs> By the way, I think we rated Undertaker and... Uh... Whatever his fucking name is, uh, higher than this match, right? Demento, let me look. Um, no, it was a squash. I, uh, I didn't rate it. Now you might have, and, I, and my notes were like, "This guy sucks. I hate him." <laughs> and then Undertaker tombstone, and I'm like, "Thank God it's over." <laughs> So it was a similar way the match went, too. I'm like, this guy sucks, except this match was longer because it's Steamboat. It's not Undertaker. So what did you rate this uh, match, by the way? Or show? show? I gave it overall a 6.0 because there were a lot of the matches were at least decent or good quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there were some good promos mixed through. There, There wasn't really a lot that happened that was bad at all. Just the main event was disappointing. Uh, that was Eric Watts was involved. <laughs> That's kind of it. I gave it a six point two out of ten. Okay, we're we're kind of in the ballpark there. Mm-hmm. Now, episode two, January ninth, nineteen ninety three. Um, still Jim and Larry on commentary. Mm-hmm. They just go right to a match. No, no real recaps this time. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Versus Mark Cook. It's Buff Bagwell. I thought so. <laughs> Buff is the stuff. 
He looked better than than this than his steroid fucking uh, porn douchebag st- gimmick. His douchebag porn st- uh, star gimmick kind of thing that he had going on in WCW Nitro. Did you know after his wrestling career basically ended, he became a male escort? I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you knew that. Okay, <laughs> I knew. So I, I've always known. Like, obviously, China did like homemade porn videos. I know Gangrel like produced like fucking porn videos, and then like I did something Bagwell. It was like a a male escort, like a gigolo kind of thing, and it just like. Doesn't surprise me because, and, and I gotta admit, he, I I was surprised in WCW Saturday Night because I fucking hated him in Nitro. I thought he was just a fucking stupid joke that like uh, of a wrestler when he was a douchebag. I don't know why. Well, before uh, I don't think Bagwell ever was a heel mm. uh, for for a while here. Like uh, this is, I think, when he's just starting out. Um, and he's just like, you know, blue chipper baby face guy is basically what he is right now. Uh, later on, he enters a tag team with another guy and I can't remember his name right now, but they're called American males. And it's hilarious because the fucking theme song is so lame. <laughs> it's just like, it just sounds like early mid nineties, this kind of shit rock. And it's like American males, American males. American man, and it shows like video of them flexing and fucking throwing frisbees or some bullshit. <laughs> but um, yeah, this was kind of an enhancement talent match to get the the rookie guy over, and he was rookie of the year at WCW Magazine last year. Okay, you know Buff Bagwell or Marcus, I should say. Uh, um, I wrote down. I, like- he, I wrote down. He looked like Billy Joel at muscles. By the way. Kind of does a little bit. <laughs> um, I like the spot where they did drop down leapfrogs and then Cook did, Mark Cook, the jobber guy, did a leapfrog. And he was like really impressed that he did the leapfrog. Yeah. Like he was like, <laughs> I did it. How about that? And then he just gets hit like, right <laughs> after that. And then I also wrote, Cook's got a really good working punch. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. When he was punching him, it's like you heard the smack and then it, it looked like he was punching him. I was like, fuck. And then it was so good. Like, Zabisco was like, God, he needs to cover up. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking punched his lights. I didn't say fucking, but yeah. <laughs> I got to admit, he was a good jobber uh, work buddy, I guess. like Jobber I, work buddy. Yeah. Because, like, again, you don't need a jobber to kill in seconds. He looked good. He just had to make the baby face guy get in peril a little bit. You know, he's inexperienced. He might fuck up. He was fucking up. He wasn't covering up there, brother. He's getting his lights punched out. I love the hook suplex, by the way. By... The fisherman suplex. That was his finish. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't know if that is. I don't know if he just beat him with that or it was his finisher. Um, Just a decent little opener. I gave it 5.75. I gave it a 5.3 out of 10. Okay. Um, Recap. Showing Vader regaining the WCW title from Ron Simmons. <laughs> um, he beat him with a shoulder breaker. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Because uh, that's definitely not one of Vader's finishers. And I don't know if Vader ever worked the arm. I've never seen the match. I'm sure it exists out there somewhere. But, yeah. Again, you don't need big finishers to 
essentially finish somebody off. It's all no. about it's all about working the match, and if he's weared down based off of his shoulder or whatever body part, then you do that in the match. Yeah, or if you have like a four hundred pound bear man shoulder break you, you might just be done. Yep. <laughs> so you know, like Ron Simmons is a big fucking guy, especially back then. He was jacked. Mm-hmm. He he looked like he looked pretty big, but it's Vader. Uh. Van Hammer versus Randy Sledge. I almost thought that said Randy Savage, but that was just wishful thinking. <laughs> Randy Sledge, this is the guy I was referencing earlier, the job guy. He yeah. has probably the worst haircut I've ever seen of a wrestler. Yeah. He had a bowl cut and a rat tail at the same time. What the fuck? <laughs> like, like everybody had like the really egregious mullets in, in like the early nineties. Like the mullet was dying off at that point, mm-hmm. but wrestlers still loved it. I don't know. They were stuck with the mullet thing for a while. I wrote down <laughs> every kid show that had like that bully character with the weird bowl cut haircut. That's what Randy Sledge was. Oh my god, you're true. That I forgot about that. Yeah. How a lot of the bullies would have they would have the rat tail, but never really the bowl cut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would just have the bowl cut, but I've never seen both at the same time. It was like butthead. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Larry's commentary was good here. Um, Van Hammer does some mat wrestling, which is kind of surprising because he's such a big guy. Mm-hmm. And then he beat him with a slingshot suplex. It was a squash. It's, yeah, it was fine. Van Hammer got over. And then Van Hammer does a promo. He's like, Tony Atlas wants to have an arm wrestling match, brother. Let's do it. Go ahead. Dude, like, the way you feel about, how do you feel about arm wrestling matches and fucking, you know, that's apparently something that's been a thing forever. Like, (laughs) you got to think about, like, that Sylvester Stallone, uh, is it over the top? Is that the one where he does the the arm wrestling thing? I don't know. I'm not really super familiar with Lost Stallone's movies, actually. Just his brother. <laughs> Just Frank Stallone. Um, but like, I I don't think this needs to happen more often. But like, if you want to showcase somebody that has power, um. I would have, like, definitely today, I would have somebody, like, break somebody's arm, like, in uh, in an arm wrestling match. Like, it- Oh, man, that'd be a great, uh, you know, fucking angle. Yeah, especially. If somebody's injured, if somebody's injured or some shit, especially- you know, you can, have, you can have, like, a heel do you know- an arm wrestling match with a guy and break his arm or something. You know how, like, Alexa Bliss, when she does that, like, bending the arm thing, remember? She's like, ah, and all that stuff. Like, I would find a wrestler... Uh, that could be uh, like that with their joints and stuff and just have like a Braun Strowman type of character break their arm. There it is. It's a pretty good idea. I'm sure it's happened at some point. You would think it has, but what's old is new again. Because people (laughs) forget the old things. Mm -hmm. Um, Z-Man and Johnny Gunn, they're in action again against Chick Donovan and Mike Thor. I didn't know anybody in this match. I mean, you knew Z-Man. Yeah, I know him from the first episode, but like... Oh, you never... You, okay, you never knew Tom Zake. Tom Zake teamed with uh, fucking Rick Martell back in the 80s. Okay. In, in, in WWF. Strike Force. 
Mm. No, wait, that was Tito. No, it was Tito. I, at some point, Rick Martel taped with Tom Zink. I know I'm not making that up. <laughs> but anyway, Chick Donovan looks like a gay version of Paul Orndorff. <laughs> Do you see it? Yeah, he I see like it. looks like Paul Orndorff. He's like the same build. It's, Paul Orndorff's not real tall, but he's like pretty stocky, and he's built. And he's just wearing like a Chippendales fucking bow tie thing with the vests. <laughs> and he has like a mullet, like a, a more of a mullet than what Paul Orndorff ever did. <laughs> he just looks like a gay version of Paul Orndorff. Um, I, Mike Thor just looks like a generic creator wrestler guy. Mm-hmm. Like if there was, if there was a, one of these WWE wrestling games that had like the same kind of character creator and, you know, you go to like pre-made generic wrestlers, mm-hmm. he would be one of them. If this was a set in 1993. <laughs> It was okay. Nothing bad happened. It was just a match. It was a match to get Z-Man and Johnny Gunn over. It was sloppy a little bit. Yeah, Johnny Gunn is, uh, just goes back to what I was saying before. I think that guy's kind of green at this point. He's kind of fucking up. And Mike Thor is probably just a job guy mm. who just got, you know, $200 to do his match. Chick Donovan looks like he's worked. and they, They've said that. This guy's a veteran, blah, 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 you know. So... I gave it a five just because I just didn't think it was anything bad. Just eh. I'm going to be truth. I zoned out of this match. I didn't care. Uh, I just made fun of the people that were in the match. So I gave it a five out of ten too as well. Okay. Next, Cactus Jack was doing an interview, which is a great idea mm-hmm. to give him interview time. But then Eric Watts comes in and fucking ruins it. And I got mad. <laughs> yeah, Cactus Jack. You start talking like Eric Watts, blah, blah, and then he just comes in unsolicited, and he just puts him in an STF. And I'm, <laughs> I was like, I, no wonder everybody hates Eric Watts. He's fucking assaulting people without any kind of provocation. <laughs> yeah, Cactus might have threatened to make him a vegetable or some shit, but like, come on. <laughs> I guess this is supposed to make Eric look badass. Eric Watts is the Roman Reigns of WCW Saturday. Oh my god, I've heard that comparison before. <laughs> it's kind of apt when you see this kind of stuff. Make him look strong, pretty much. Uh, Roman Reigns has more personality and it's everything. In this, I'll guy, give though. you that. I'll get. Uh, he does even way though, more. Even though, like Roman Reigns' personality, as far as like I get over in promos by cursing. Even when he does the sucker and sucker tash promo that he does, like that's more better than Eric Watts. In it my still opinion. is, yeah. Even when he's doing that terrible shit, yeah, that terrible good shit. <laughs> Next, two cold Scorpio versus Mustafa Saeed. <laughs> Scorpio comes out doing his dance. He's got his fucking music, and he seems like a cool guy. Yep, and he's got some moves, brother. He did like the float over arm drag jazz and the drop kick and the drop kick and the jazz. And then Mustafa flew out of the ring. He couldn't keep up with him. It's very, this was very high flying, by the way. Yeah. Like I've heard the name Too Cold Scorpio a lot before. Mm -hmm. And I just don't ever recall seeing him wrestle. Apparently, I think I'm right about this. I'm going to double check as I'm saying it. I think he was Flash Funk in WWF. Um, and I think Scorpio wrestled in ECW as well. Yeah, he was Flash Funk. I was right about that. Okay. 
Um, I remember Flash Funk, and I was like, this guy's pretty good. Now I'm seeing Two Cold Scorpio, and he's younger and shit. I'm like, this guy's f- pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed I, I enjoyed the match. A lot of high-flying. It was a nice to see. You don't need to have high-flying in every fucking wrestling match today. Like, it was... No. It's good it to... Was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's good to have it once in a while. The only thing I got to say is, like, when he's dancing... It felt so forced. Like, I feel like whoever is booking the match are like, you need to dance. You need to dance more. Every time your music hits, just dance. That's my only uh, picking at him. But he was great. Yeah, I liked a lot of his moves. I liked his super kicks. He did, like, a a leaping super kick. I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And his finisher was a 450. And back then, that was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember Flash Funk doing the 450 the first time I saw it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's like when Mark Marrow busted out the Shooting Star Press. That was the first time I saw that, too. Yeah. Mark Marrow did it. I was like, <laughs> what? Ugh. I didn't know he's um, capable of that. Yeah. Like, when it, you know, if we ever watch WWF when he's Wild Man Mark Marrow, because he ditched the move when he became Marvelous Mark Marrow. Mm-hmm. That was his finisher. It was a shooting star press. I don't know if he was doing it as Johnny B. Bad. I don't know what his finisher is at this point. Uh, it was a squash, though. Uh, I want to see more of two Cold Scorpio. I gave this a uh, a 5.3 out of 10. Okay. I liked it, it a little bit. I, I, it, I, I It was a good squash. Yeah, I enjoyed the... Uh, the high flying and stuff. It was a nice to see that in the nineties. Mm-hmm. It is restrained too. It was not, they weren't going ape shit. Mm-hmm. Scorpio T's maybe doing a dive on the outside, but he didn't. You don't need, <laughs> you don't need to, to do a dive. No, you probably thought, man, I don't want to land on that fucking concrete. <laughs> <laughs> um, great interview with Barry Windham kind of explaining some of his beef with Dustin and just everything that's been going on with him lately. Yep. <laughs> good good interview, though. I liked it. I believed everything he was saying. He, he, you know, had good delivery and stuff, good facials. He was good. Um, what do you think of it? <laughs> I digged it. Uh, every time Barry Windham talks, I believe that he he's going to wreak havoc. And, yeah. I, and that's what I like about him. Um, besides him not looking great as a wrestler, I think he's, I, I said it in the beginning, um, he's a great worker, and he, 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 he's very believable. And it, I, what, what Yeah, you, I, I didn't say this previously. I guess I should have, but I was, I, I was going to say, to me, Barry Windham meets that point in the valley where you can look like shit and get away with it. Mm-hmm. He looks like, he looks like a rough guy, you know, like you don't want to fuck with that guy. It's kind of what he looks like right now. He, even though Terry Funk was back during that time, like him and Terry Funk, they could say shit. Like they don't look the part, but they'll fuck you up. That's the thing. Terry Funk is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. But yeah, like, but, like, when you look at Terry Funk, you're like, guy looks like he drinks a lot of beer, but he's going to fuck you up. Yeah. And that's what I feel like, uh, I almost said Billy again, Barry Windham, uh, 
I feel like Barry Windham is like the same. Like, I'm going to drink a bunch of Budweiser, but I'm going to fuck you up. And I believe it. And yeah, I can see that. And, and uh, I wish more wrestlers were like that today. Everything is so scripted. It's so fake. Everything is off the cuff back then. And you could tell. Yeah, nobody was writing promos for people in at this point. Or in WWF either at this point. Nobody mm-hmm. had scripted promos. Mm-hmm. So, like, even in, you know, the kind of show-busy WWF land at this time, it was still better. Yeah. Um, let's see. Next up, we got DDP and Vinny Vegas against Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce. The fuck? <laughs> they came out as, like, fucking cowboys, by the way. I know. I was like, it's, it's a cowboy team from Texas, and the other dude's name is Shanghai Pierce. I mean, and he wears a mask. <laughs> Fuck okay, uh, DDP and Vinny Vegas. I can see being a team. They look like they hang out together. Yeah. Um. By the way, is this DDP's like kind of like debut in a way? Um. I'm not sure. It might be. He might have started a little bit uh, back in '92. Uh. I don't remember exactly, but this is definitely really early in his in ring career. Because yeah. before he was just a manager. Yeah. Because like. This has to be in his late 20s, right? Because, like, Nitro, he was in his 30s, correct? He might be in early 30s right oh. now. He started late. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I looked this up before we got started, and I was right about this. As I was watching this match, I kept looking at Tex, and I'm like, he looks familiar to me. And I was like, is that Midian? And I looked it up, and sure enough, it's Midian. It's it's Midian, and the other dude was the other Godwin. Remember the Godwins in WWF? Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Henry O. Godwin. That that was Shanghai. So both these guys were Godwins. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Early DDP is interesting. He, you can tell he's working hard on his in-ring shit because mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff looked good, even though he's not been wrestling for that long yeah um i guess this is a heel versus heel match though it's which is kind of weird mm-hmm. <laughs> like two heel teams are fighting each other um and there's no I, build up by the way right like they didn't build this up in any way no it was just a match to have a match which is that's okay there doesn't have to be a reason all the time for a match because mm-hmm. it's your job it's your job to fucking fight professionally in this sport um, uh, I wasn't too impressed with the other team. No, really. I Minion's a decent worker. Maybe he wasn't at that point yet, it, but right now, no. <laughs> they worked DDP's leg for like a super long time, and it's like boring. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do a good job. Um, let's see. DDP kind of gets to come back. And then Vinny Vegas comes in and fucks him up a little bit. And then he tags DDP back in. Slazinger hangs DDP with a bull rope over the top rope on the outside. He's hanging him. Which, and by the then, way, I messaged you on Facebook. I'm like, damn, WCW's hardcore. They're like, they almost killed a man. Hey, it was it was Southern. It was wrestling, brother. You could do that shit. And he was hanging, but... By the way, like, you got to think about this. Like, you're launching a man over the ropes, and then, like, the guy has to consciously 
hold on to the rope that he's doing so that he could hang. Yeah. Because if you miss that, he's fucking getting hanged. <laughs> yeah. And he was there for a long time, by the way. Like, Vinny Vegas was trying to, like, free him a little bit. And then, so oh, the he po- tried. And he yeah. Did. <laughs> he grabbed a chair. Vegas grabbed a chair and just went, wham, and fucking hit him in the head. And then he let him go. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was a double DQ. I, um, I gave this a 5 out of 10, in my opinion. I uh, gave it a 4.5 out of 10. Okay. Because this is what I said. Normally, I'll take up for a double DQ when it's executed well. A lot of people hate double disqualification finishes. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, double decisions or something. Uh, I don't. I think sometimes it's a good out, especially if two guys are having a feud and they're having like really competitive matches or something and it gets heated and something happens. It's a good way to keep the feud going. Mm-hmm. Um, but this wasn't that at all. And in my opinion, nobody got over in this match because it just kind of ended. Yeah, and it was a heel versus heel, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, next Vader interview. Um, this is one of my favorite things with Vader. <laughs> this this <laughs> simple interview I've seen it on YouTube before a lot. It's like WCW close up Vader, and I watched it, and I was like, "This is awesome," because. Vader's being kind of over the top a little bit, but Vader comes off like he's kind of crazy. Yeah, Vader talks in third person, by the way. Yes, I mean, are you going to question him? No, because I don't want—I <laughs> don't want him to punch me because his fucking punches are powerful. God, I love it. everything Vader does. Looks so goddamn convincing. I love it. He's just rough. Like he's—he works kind of stiff. He has that reputation, but it's—he's getting over. He's this big guy. I mean, there's only so much you can work being that large, mm-hmm. you know, wrestling. And he, and, and he does a fucking um, a moonsault, by the way. Yeah, every now and then he'll bust out that moonsault. And it's like, fuck. And then, yeah, that finishes people usually when they get hit by that. Him As and, it should. Him and Bam Bam Bigelow have, like, one of the best moonsaults ever. Yeah, Bam Bam had a great big guy moonsault. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this interview is great because it allows Vader to kind of talk for himself, and uh, he he comes off pretty good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he dresses Sting, and it was kind of cool, and he, he lets you know, I'm not done with you yet, Stinger. You, you won that King Cable match. Uh, the little Stinger's going to hold the funeral, brother, man. Get ready. And then he talks about Ron Simmons, and he gives him some credit, you know? Mm-hmm. Putting then, putting him over, I like that. Yeah, just a little bit. It felt like a sports interview, you know. It it did a little bit. Other than Vader was going like, yeah, I I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. It's like you're gonna tell him no. You can't do that. <laughs> um, Vader was great in WCW up until Hogan came in and just beat him, and it killed it killed Vader. Fuck Hogan, by the way. Um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta do this rant. I'm sorry. Um, Hogan started the business. I get that. He was the bees to knees kind of thing. Hulkamania and all that stuff. But Hulk Hogan, ever since he grew that fucking ego, and by the way, Hulk Hogan, uh, before like he became 
Hulkamania, like he was great. He was a good wrestler. And then when Vince McMahon gave him an ego, and then like all of a sudden he doesn't want to put people over. There were many times when Hulk Hogan like didn't want to put people over, especially fucking Randy Savage when he won the belt that one year. I uh, I'm kind of intoxicated too much to remember when when Randy when Randy Savage won the belt. Like Hulk Hogan had to insert himself in that. And then there was another time where War Games or one of the weird WCW matches where there there was like fucking four rings and like one arena and stuff where they were doing like a battle royale kind of thing. Um, I think that was World War Three. Yeah, like Hulk Hogan had to insert himself again and give Vader his time. Vader is such an underrated wrestler that was never utilized a lot in WWE, in my opinion. No, he did not get used correctly. Like WCW used him correctly, in my opinion. Um, he had a great run all the way up till Hogan came in. And it mm-hmm. killed it. <laughs> so fuck Hogan. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he deserves the hate that he gets today, as uh, because of what he said on that one radio show. Like he did build the business in a way, um, but fuck him anyway. Uh, I don't like his ego. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the biggest hang up. I, I still appreciate Hogan and like him, but it's. There's bad to him too, and this was a. There's been several cases where he's inserted himself into things and ruined things. Like he kind of fucked with Savage's push. He fucked Vader. I don't know the circumstances behind the, the Vader thing mm-hmm. yet. Uh, Brett, he kind of fucked up Brett's push. He convinced Vince that Brett wasn't good, and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um. Anyway, Tony Atlas and Dustin Rhodes, U.S. title attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin comes out hitting some nice combination moves. He's doing, like, the arm drag, the hip toss, the drop kick. Good shit. Made Tony and, Atlas look weak, in my opinion, in this match. I was kind of surprised how this match went. Yeah, I mean, Dustin's not, like, a small guy. He's, like, 6'6 or some shit. Mm-hmm. But um, just... Uh, I did also note, you know, people always say, man, gold dust or not gold dust. Now he's just, now he's just dusting again. He's like, he's never lost a step. Actually, you know, go looking at his work here and comparing it to how he works now, it doesn't really look, look like it mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of works the same still. Yeah. And I would argue that when gold dust got fat, by the way, like, Especially when he got overweight in the WWE Goldust. Like, I think that um, made him look different. But, like, when he lost all that weight and became Dustin Rhodes and came to AEW. Like, let me scratch that. When he lost all that weight and came back to WWE and then also went to AEW, he looked like Dustin Rhodes in WCW. He did, yeah. He's he's older. You can tell he's older, but... He's kind of in that shape again now. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlas gets advantage. He works his arm for a little while, and Dustin counters, and he breaks away. And he just hits a bulldog out of nowhere and beats him. Is that his finisher? Like, Yeah, his finisher was bulldog back then. Fucking great, dude. Like, oh, my God. Not like a bulldog is like an everything match now. 
I miss the classic bulldog. People don't do it that much anymore. The, the bulldog is you grab the dude's head, you run and jump and dump him on his head. Like, like how Dustin's doing it. Like CM Punk was the closest one to like use that as a signature before he did his, you know, go to sleep or whatever. His, his go to hell move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like, <His> go to sleep. <laughs> nobody does that anymore. It's so sad. No, and everybody calls like uh, what is just you know running and grabbing the dude's hair and dumping them on the mat a bulldog. It's like that's not a bulldog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was surprised that Dustin beat Atlas so quickly, and then Cactus was out there again, and he never even interfered. Yeah, I know. Like, why is he even there? <laughs> Moral support, I guess. Um, what'd you give this one? I gave it. I'm going to give it a little higher. I'm going to give it a 5.75 out of 10. Oh, okay. I give it a 5.25. I thought it was pretty good. It was just like very fast. It wasn't even, it wasn't a squash, mm-hmm. but, and then I, I was, again, I was surprised that there wasn't a little bit more to this. I figured Tony might be on him a while. And it didn't happen. Um, main event, Ricky Steamboat and Barry Wynn. This is still part of the U.S. title tournament. Best match out of both nights. Period. Exclamation point. Throw confetti in the air. Psychology, 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 psychology. That Mm -hmm. needs to be more into wrestling. And by God, does... I almost said Billy again. Barry Windham um, does a lot of psychology in his match. Yeah, I wrote pretty quickly. A lot of praise has always been thrown Barry Windham's way. And I guess he did deserve a lot of it after seeing this match. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I, like I said before, I never really got to experience Barry Windham that much. Uh, like, I think I saw him in WWF when he was the stalker. Do you remember that? A little bit, yeah. It was weird. It's like they brought Barry Wyndham back in WWF and they gimmicked him up because it was like the mid nineties. <laughs> so, uh, but this was a good match, and I also wrote: people need to study Steamboat. Mm. If you're if you're like a young wrestler or like you're fairly young, you're you're not really that far in your career. Watch Steamboat. His selling like, is amazing, by the way. His he has he's probably the best seller in my opinion in wrestling ever um like yeah he sells everything and it's just he's just like oh he just like fucking does his shit where he looks like he's in pain (laughs) and he's like just he yells he shouts when he's getting hit or when he's in holds and he just he's like oh he sells it like Cornette likens it to, um, it's like watching ballet. It's like watching a, a performance where, like, a guy's like, oh, you know, like, dramatically selling, but it's not, you know. But like, in a good ballet, because a lot of AEW today, like, ballet is, like, they do <laughs> play art, uh, like, dance moves that have to be studied and stuff. But, like, Steamboat, like, he'll get his... In today's WWE and AEW, like, when you have your arm on the ropes like it's nothing but when you have steamboat who gets his arm thrown on the ropes it's like oh i fucking broke my arm or sprained my arm and stuff like my arm is 
incapable of doing a move because I've just injured it by doing that. Yeah, he let it go slack, which Barry did that too after he worked his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there was a part where like Barry snapped his arm over the rope, and then he actually leaped in the air, like he got ricocheted off the rope by his arm, mm-hmm. and he fell down. He's like, ah, oh, you know, like ah, oh, like and. Another thing Steamboat does, he sells on offense. Nobody does that. Like, when when he's been worked, like, his arms worked, he's, like, in the corner and he's trying to rest, and he just swings wildly, and he hits one of those chops and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he's selling while he's on offense. And when he hits a move with his injured limb, he sells it. A lot of people don't even do that. Yeah. Like, he, he went for... um. What did he go for? I think he did like one of those martial arts strikes with his injured arm <laughs> and he hit it. But then when he came up, he was like, Oh, like he realized he fucked up. He just did it out of habit. He kind of fell over. Yeah. Um, let's see. Even his holds are great. He did like a wrist lock. He made like a real simple wrist lock look like, Oh my God, that could hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like, like slapped his palm on him and just jerked his arm. He's like, oh <laughs> shit. Um, I also really like that bridging hammer lock he did. He did like a roll through bridge on a hammer lock while he was laying down. I'm like, wow, you don't really see anybody do that. That's like a British style hand lock, uh, hammer lock. <laughs> and there was a part where uh, Steamboat and uh, Barry Windham, like they ran into each other and Barry Windham like ran, uh, got thrown out of the ring. Like, that was awesome, too. Yeah, that was, like, part of this whole sequence where it's, like, I think Steamboat's on the apron, and then Barry suplexes him into the ring, and he does that really sweet float-over cover. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, he busts that out. He kicks kicks out, and then he does tries to do another suplex, but Steamboat counters him. They do the crisscross thing, and then Barry just... he He does this weird thing where when he drops down he spun himself around the other way and just stood back up <laughs> and just ran into him. And it was like, they collided. Steamboat just fell over. He collapsed. Mm-hmm. Barry, he's like, Fuh, like he dazed himself. <laughs> he flopped out of the ring and hit his head on the railing. I he's love like, the, oh, p- shit. I love the part where Barry Windham uh, goes on the top rope and like, um, Steamboat comes in and like, usually it would just be like a, let me flip him over. But like Steamboat, what he does is he like puts more oomph into it where he's just like, it like yeah, it looked th- like he tossed him. Yeah. That was good. And then you figure, oh, well, the baby face countered him. He's going to hit his top rope move. Nope. Mm-hmm. Barry punches him in the ribs and fucks him up. <laughs> and then we nobody had, gets the top rope move. <laughs> and then we had a submission where uh, Steamboat and Barry Windham are in a figure four. Yeah, they were trading figure fours. Like, Barry put it on first. I think that has been his finisher before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of important there. Uh, and then he gets out of it eventually. And it's like now his arm's fucked up, his legs are fucked up. And he's still fighting. He's still selling everything. It's just great. Um and then I think, let's see. Yeah, that's right. Barry hits that DET and he puts that figure four on him. He tries to get leverage. He cheats. Mm-hmm. He's like trying to grab the rope and stretch himself out. <laughs> um, 
Barry Windham has a great DDT, by the way. Yeah. He, he hits that elevated one, but this time he busted out like a regular one. It still looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put a note here where, like, at, where Steamboat's been so worn down. He tries to Irish whip him, and Steamboat just collapses. <laughs> he couldn't even do the Irish whip. He's just like, oh, he just fell over in a heap. Um, Steamboat tries to do the comeback. He hits that sweet ass swinging neck breaker. Does the chop ro- the top rope chop. And he goes to scoop Barry up, but he hits Nick Patrick in the head with his leg, and he flies out of the ring and just fucking rolls onto the concrete floor. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he went to the top, and then he hit his crossbody, but the ref was down, and he realized this. Yeah. So he goes to check on him, and then Barry throws Steamboat out of the ring. But the thing was, Nick Patrick like recovered just in time to see that happen. Yeah, and he disqualified him. Mm-hmm. So that that was that was a disqualification of WCW at the time. You throw a guy over the rope. I don't mind it, by the way, because that match itself maybe want to see more. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm gonna give this a seven point five out of ten. I gave it a 7.75 out of 10. Okay. And then it didn't even really get into what happened after that. Which, oh, yeah. <laughs> the chaos and stuff. Yeah, all the, the chaos that happened. Um, Like, Barry keeps beating on Steamboat after that, after he threw him outside. And then Shane Douglas comes out for a save. Mm-hmm. I still think it's really weird that they're teaming together. Um, Then... Austin and Pillman come out and they beat up Shane Douglas. And then Dustin comes out and he starts beating up Barry. <laughs> so they're all fighting each other. And then like, eventually Austin and Pillman get ran off. And I guess Dustin and Barry fucked off or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see what happened with them. It was a good main event. Then there was a promo afterwards and it was Austin and Pillman hyping up the title match. They're going to have at clash champions, I guess. Yeah. And then Austin said, shut up, Teddy. And he started talking. <laughs> he interrupted him when he was just trying to fucking say something. <laughs> it's funny. Um, it was a good show. What'd you give it? I gave it a six out of 10. Um, I'm looking forward to Clash of Champions, the tag title match, whatnot. And I'm interested in Austin and Pillman. And I'm intrigued by Barry and Dustin and what they're doing. I give it a six out of 10 as well. Um, it was a lot of it was low, um, but that main event made me excited to watch more. Like this, this episode picked up more after the middle point of the show. Like after that Vader interview, it's like it got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, yeah, that is January second and January ninth, nineteen ninety three. Zach, again, give a recap. What are we watching? Uh, remember, we're a bi-weekly podcast, so what's the next uh, episodes we're watching? We're watching Clash of Champions on January 13th, and then WCW Saturday night, January 16th. Okay. So an- another double dose of WCW, and one of these is a special event. It's like pay-per-view length, just about. So um, like two hours? I think it's roughly two hours. It might even be a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, and after that, after we do that, we will be caught up and we'll get back to the swinging schedule where it's like we're going to watch a WCW thing and then a WWF thing. 
Okay. Or the vice versa. Either way, both are on the table. All righty. Well, remember, guys, watch that and come back here and then see our opinions about that. Uh, I guess we'll end it here. Um, yep. If you want to catch more of Getting Some Color, make sure you go to Nerd Review Network on all uh, podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, and where we upload all our stuff on Red Circle. Make sure to go there and to support us. And we also have Big Trouble Little Podcast, the, the Nemesis Project, when eventually we'll get back to that, and some more new projects that I am working on at the moment. But I guess until next time, get, in some, get some color, brother. That's right. Later, guys. Shit.